What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Going to the chapel, and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel, and we're gonna get married. Go to the chapel and Stellarides gonna get married. It happened! Um, um, I can't stop smiling. I can't stop smiling. Uh, uh, Our little babies. I know! Our sweet little Stellaride babies. And like, and Seb did it right. It wasn't like a locker room proposal. Not saying that wasn't right. No. I mean, his was maybe... A little dangerous, but whatever. It's fine. It's fine. A lot dangerous. Kind of odd. I was like, at the first, I was like, you idiots. And then I was like, but I'm so happy. But you idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I was just kind of like, right. Really? Right now? Right now? Yeah. But also, yay. I know. I'm so happy. Um, welcome to episode 181 of Meet Us and Molly's, by the way. By the way. Just in case you forgot what podcast you're listening to. Uh, so yeah, we're covering the episodes you just watched, obviously, um, the penultimate episode. So what? 615, 915, 815. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. L- listen, there, there is a Burgess-sized elephant in the room. We're going to get to it, but right now we just want to be happy. That Bretzy stuff is like, I cannot wait to discuss. Oh, I'm sure you're over the moon about that. <laughs> yeah, I clearly wore my Bretzy shirt for the occasion. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Bren is wearing her Bretzy shirt, which you can purchase on our Tee Public store. They're having a lot of sales this month. I think, well, okay, so you're going to be listening to this on Friday. Friday's date is the 21st. No, they're going to be listening to it on the 19th. It's coming out after the episodes. Math, y'all. I, you know, usually you listen to this on Friday. I forget that you're usually listening to this on Wednesday. I don't know, but- I do believe T Public's having a store on the 20th and 21st of May, meaning tomorrow and Friday. So, like, go get your gear. Also, highly recommend the, like, extra soft vintage blend shirts, whatever those are. They are super comfortable. Super comfortable. I'm, like, super slowly but surely building a wardrobe of all T Public shirts, and they're all TV-based. I know. Same. Yeah. Same, yeah, same, I've got same. I've got a Power Ranger shirt because I'm a grown up. I've got uh, I've got my West Wing. Uh, I have a West Wing one. Is literally like the my most worn crew neck sweatshirt ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my Julian the Phantoms one is Red Bubble, but I freaking love it. It's the relaxed fit. Oh so yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have Julian so, Phantoms too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guys, go about T Public. It's pretty awesome. I almost bought a Captain America shirt on on T Public, and then I bailed, and I don't remember why. Um, Why? Probably because I know if I buy one piece of Marvel sh- like wardrobe, it's then going it's downhill. all downhill from there. Like, I won't even. I'm not even gonna open your mind to another part of that. But yeah, no, now you have to. The Marvel Funko Pop T-shirts. Marvel Funko Pop T-shirts. I will have to show. I have a few of them. That's I think I can great. stay away from that. I love them. I think Marvel but... Funko. 
pop <laughs> shirt. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. They're just little cute, and I just love them. I have a few of them. Yeah, they're cute. I think I can. I think I. I think I have the willpower. You can to stay, stay away. away okay. Yeah, they're cute though. Um, I got my Drax Funko the other day. By the way, I just forgot to send you a picture. I know. Don't. I know. You're judging me. I know. That leaves know. Rocket and Loki, and then I think I'm done. Until the next wave. Until the next wave. Yeah. Yeah. Until the next wave. So. Until the Loki show comes out. Let's be real. That's when I have to get my Loki pop because all the Loki ones you look up on Mercari are I like a hundred so bucks. I know, I know. Yeah. There was one on there today for like 16 bucks, but it had like scuff marks and everything. I was like, oh no, Loki deserves better than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. <laughs> welcome to Marvel Chat at Molly's. Um, we usually have news and we don't have any today. You know why we don't have any is because it's Monday when we're recording this and we literally recorded like three days ago, four days ago. Yeah. So there's nothing new to report on. It's the same stuff, you know. And there's no episode descriptions anymore. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Until like September. Yeah. So um, deadline has been lying dormant for the past couple of days. They haven't. I don't. I don't even want to say that. Like they. I'm gonna knock. On you wood just right now. jinxed it. You just Fuck. fucking jinxed it. Damn it. You're right. You're right. Damn it, Gina. You're better than that. <laughs> but yeah. They've actually been spewing good news because all of our other shows that we watch have been getting renewed. So bless the Lord. <laughs> bless the Lord. Granted, I mean, we knew we, we knew. knew it was going to happen, but we still, knew. it's nice to see it. It's nice to see it confirmed. Fox took their damn time on 911 this week, didn't they? I know. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, we don't have any news, which is why we're just kind of like talking our other shows and Marvel and, you know, things why like not? that. We're, we're waiting before we have to jump into our feelings, okay? Because it was a, it was a, it was a oh, feelings man. heavy night. It was very, I feel like it was like the roller coaster, like Med started us off. You just go up and up and up. And then it was like Stella ride and then Burgess. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a night. It was a night. And we're, we're, we're going full steam into the finales. I'm nervous. Staying. I'm yeah I'm super nervous after that PD episode tonight I'm so nervous because PD or not PD I'm sorry fire fire was perfect tonight I know and that's why I'm like I mean I'm worried about other characters that I wasn't worried about before yeah like I wasn't necessarily worried about Cruz but now I'm really worried about Cruz too and yeah I just I don't know fire was like too perfect yeah I mean I loved it don't get me wrong it was great yeah great 40 minutes of my life oh, but, it was wonderful uh yeah i'm also very nervous but it was too perfect i'm very the most nervous about fire then pd i'm not really nervous about med because we already know the two characters i'm not worried about med yeah yeah so although I maybe i should be i don't know <laughs> um you guys will hear our chat with Derek Hass probably early next week i think i, I don't know sometime sometime between now and the finales you will hear our chat with Derek Hass, and hopefully we will get some answers um, we've just got to be very careful in how we word our questions so that he can't weasel out of them. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, we got to figure out how to like bait him into like backdoor bait him and just be like confirming whether Taylor is sticking around or not. <laughs> we got to, yeah, we got to get crafty with our wording. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have some answers, but all right. Um, we can put it off as long as we want, but we got to get into these episodes, don't we? Yeah. Let's just do it. All right. Rip the Band-Aid off. Let's just rip that Band-Aid. All right. Well, at least we're like ramping up, right? We're going to start with Med. And we're so, going to start with Will and Natalie because. Because. Because we are. Yeah. Okay. So Will and Natalie, which like they, they just keep getting pushed back to each other. And I don't know. Okay. So 
Will runs into Sabina on his way into the hospital, and he still thinks he has a shot with her. Well, and the thing that blows my mind is that she's, like, entertaining it. Yes! I was like, girl, what are you doing? You are so dumb. You are so dumb. He tried to fuck over your career, and you're still like, oh, yeah, you can get some? Girl, what are you doing? Girl, what are you doing? Ethan is over there waiting for you. Waiting to play chess and respect you and honor your career and the things you've done. <laughs> Girl, I just mm-hmm. I can't. I saw that and I was like, really? Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So everything in the trial is going well, presumably because Will hasn't touched it in, you know, however long. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're in the elevator and, and, Will's like, so, so wait, is there still a chance of a you and me? And she's like, just a slight chance. Sabina. Girl. Girl, respect yourself. I just, I can't. I can't. I can't. If he doesn't respect your career, he doesn't respect you. For real though. And I'm not saying Will doesn't respect her, but like Will can be really boneheaded. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think he doesn't I think he clearly respects her but it also is like you didn't respect her enough to like not fuck up her career so yeah yeah he doesn't think about how his choices will impact others nope and that's dangerous that's a slippery slope that's the Will Halstead way yes it is yes it is (laughs) so Natalie brings her mom into the ED again you realize how this is becoming like a weekly thing like every episode carol comes into the ed for something i I think this is what like the third time something like that yeah so now natalie is like she's in liver failure like she's jaundiced that's what's going on like she's in liver failure so crockett comes in and crockett's like i'm on it i got this and that's like "Mm, but no you can't stay (laughs) yeah you can't sit with us crockett like no and so crockett's like what the fuck dude what the fuck what the fuck i feel so bad for him because all he thinks like all he knows is that he's getting pushed away and he has no idea why i felt my heart my heart i was like if i wasn't already a crockett stand this episode would have made me one (laughs) (laughs) i know i know oh my god and and she is respectful about it but he's just very like okay well whatever you want like he's he's so bummed about it but he doesn't know why because he still hasn't gotten answers from the roof scene a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and so he's just been in limbo and now it's affecting everything he does as we'll get to in a second and i just my heart my heart (laughs) so carol's labs come back she is in acute liver failure she's also got hep c that sucks Mm mm-hmm Apparently she must have had it asymptomatically for like a long time. I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. Me either. Yeah, I have no idea. So they think it's a drug interaction that like pushed her over the edge. So now they have to take her off the trial medication. Last week they were like, we're going to put her on it. This week, like, no, 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 never mind. We're taking her off. Mm-mm. I know, I know. So Will is like, I can't find any, you know, case of liver failure in the trial. He does one of those Natalie moves where he's like, Hey, Sabina, so hypothetically, if someone were to pop up with this scenario in an incredibly specific set of circumstances, what would happen? <laughs> yeah. I know, but even I before know. that, he's like, oh, yeah, I can't find any. So then Nat's like, oh, well, I need to go talk to Sabina. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. So Nat's like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to come clean to Dr. Verani and I'm just going to tell her what's going on. Frickin' Will falls on his sword and he's like, nope, it's all me. It's my fault. I did this. It's Nat's mom. Like, I stole meds. And Sabina's like, God damn it. Again? I just, yeah. Again? 
Like, why? And, and then he, like, the first thing, though, but first he tells Natalie that, like, oh, yeah, Sabina's not in yet. You can't t- go tell her. Mm-hmm. Like, just let Natalie go tell her. Yeah. Like, why are you lying to Natalie and being like, oh, yeah, Sabina's not in yet? Like, just let Natalie go fall on her sword. Because he, because he's got that urge to protect her. And it's always going to be there because he's always going to love her. Oh, well, he can't love her for that much longer. We're not, she's not going to be on the show anymore. <laughs> he can love her from afar. He can long distance love her. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't ever move on from Natalie Manning, then then I don't know what his life is going to look like. Then but, Will needs therapy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Will needed therapy long before that, but he's still. needed therapy for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. That really bothered me. Like, and I'm not thinking, I'm not saying Will's doing the right thing either because Will should have come clean from the very beginning. But he really needs to, like, if Natalie wants to take the fall for it, like, let Natalie take the fall for it. It is her fault. Not everything is her fault. You still unblinded a patient, but this is clearly Natalie's fault. Mm-hmm. You yeah. should have let her tell Sabina from the start. I feel like stealing the meds is also more egregious than unblinding a patient. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of them are pretty fucking bad, but I feel like stealing meds is even worse. Well, because unblinding a patient, yes, it affects the trial, but it's not actually then like affecting someone's health. Health, Like with this, Natalie took the drugs, didn't know what they were going to do to her mom, was hoping for the best because her mom hadn't been screened, of course, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So was hoping for the best. She had best scenario for a little bit, but like at least unblinding the trial patient, it did actually... It harmed the trial, yes, but it didn't actually harm anybody. Yeah. This actually could have potentially harmed somebody and has yeah. harmed somebody. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, Carol's EKG comes back. It shows that it is strictly a heart issue. Like, okay, that's great. Um, Nat is super hesitant to do whatever procedure Will is advising, but Will's like, listen, it's her only chance to survive until she can get a heart transplant. Like, that's that. And he even says at one point, he's like, it's your mom. I'm not leaving any stone unturned. Which, yeah, you want that in a doctor, 100%. But also, well, like, don't steal the meds. Right. At what point is it like, yes, I understand that you clearly care about, I mean, not only just Natalie, but Carol and you, you want Carol to be okay. Like I get that. Mm -hmm. But, and like, so like you said, it is a good trait to see in a doctor, but at what point are you like doing more harm than good to everybody? Right. Like, you know. Right. Right. I do think that like, like we said last week, if this is somebody else's mom, if this is Maggie's mom, Ethan's mom, I, I think he does the same thing. Um, but I think this is an easier call from him for him because it's not. Yeah, I think it would depend. I think maybe potentially Maggie, like if it was Ben or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think he does that if it's Ethan's mom. No, Crockett, probably not. I mean, I think he tries to help the best he can. I'm not saying a Will's just like, oh, fuck that. It's Ethan's mom. Like, I ain't doing shit. Mm-hmm. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, go the extra mile that he's going for Carol. Right. I don't think he does that for Ethan. Right, right. Per se. Yeah. So then during the procedure, Carol flatlines, but Will gets her back. It's just kind of a moment of like, ah, tension. But yeah, Will gets her back. And so... Will goes to Sabina and just casually is like, so, hep C. Um, And Sabina's like, yeah, we screened everybody. So why are you bringing this up? Like, weird. And then she pries further and, yeah. Will, this is a massive breach of protocol. 
Who did this? Well, what's important is that... Dr. Halstead, who gave an unauthorized patient our trial drug? Me. I did. I... I can't believe you. You swore you would never do anything like this again. Sabina, the patient was out of options. Stop making excuses! I trusted you. And you betrayed me like this. Who's the patient? She's Natalie's mother. That explains it all, doesn't it? You realize you have quite possibly compromised the trial. Not to mention your career. I mean, I feel like this is a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of issue. Like, girl, you should have kicked him off his trial a long ass time ago. Yeah, and like officially, officially kicked him off. The thing that always kind of, I don't know why it keeps surprising me, but it keeps surprising me that Will flat out admits everything to her. Mm -hmm. It's not like he tries to lie and cover it up. Like he literally just all of a sudden is like, yeah, the drugs went to an outside patient. And I'm like, okay. Like, it's because it's surprising to me. Yeah, it's because he doesn't know consequences. I feel like the only time he's ever gotten punished for anything he's ever done was with the DNR in season one. And even then he wiggled his way out of it. Yeah, I just, and I mean, I guess part of the reason why he's flat out admitting it is so that Natalie doesn't then have the chance to admit it herself. Mm -hmm. Like he'd rather flat out admit it himself than see her take the fall for it. Yeah. But still, I just, I don't know why that continuously surprises me. Um, both when he un admitted he had blinded the patient and now, um, but like, I no, just... I completely agree. And I, in the beginning moments when, when she comes in with Carol and, you know, other people are asking questions and they're both kind of looking at each other, like trying to sync their stories. I was just like, man, I hate that she roped him into this. Yeah. Do you think though, so at the very end, you know how Sabina, when Natalie or when Will tells her that it was Natalie's mom and Sabina's like, oh, well that explains it, doesn't it? Like you realize like you've compromised not only the trial, but your career. Do you think she's knows that he's not going to touch her career or has that already like worry, I guess, passed and she's not afraid of what he's going to do to her career? Cause she doesn't mention anything about her. She should be worried. I think so too. Cause she says the trial, not to mention your career. I feel like she should have said like, not to mention your career and mine. I think that's really naive of her. If she's just like, Oh, you fucked up my trial, but I'm completely fine. I'm in the clear. Yeah. Cause it was technically under her supervision. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't, she didn't report him the first time. Mm -hmm. Now granted, I, I get it. I get it on her side that if she had reported him the first time, everything would have been shut down. Right. But it's better that, and like, you can still practice and do other trials mm -hmm. than, and clearly be like, oh, look, I hired the wrong person for the trial. My bad. Mm -hmm. Like, oh shit. Like we did something illegal. Like that ain't cool either. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, it's just bad. It is just bad. It is. And so Nat sees Will staring into space and goes out to talk to him. Is this on the, uh, the green screen balcony? No, they weren't on the balcony. In the, and they're in the D, remember? Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so apparently the pacer isn't going to be enough. So now Carol's at like the top of the transplant list. And she's like, oh, yeah, I never talked to Sabina. And Will's like, yeah, she never came in today. You lying liar who lies, William. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Why? Why do you fall on your sword like this? For once, for once, you didn't have the most egregious fuck up, Will. No. But you gotta act like you did. I guess my question is, okay, so we've got one episode left, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think happens? I mean, I think Will gets backed into a corner. Like, he's, he's about to go down, and right at the last minute, Nat's like, no, it was me. And that's how she exits. And she gets fired. Yeah. That's my prediction. I I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah. Is that Nat finally says something. Um, Do we want to talk about Nat coming clean to Will here? Or not Will, Crockett here? Or do we want to talk about it in the Crockett section? I had it in the Crockett section um, because it kind of played into with Crockett not feeling, you know. On his game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, also, do you think Carol lives or dies? I hope she lives. I, I, yeah, I hope she lives. That's a really like shitty way for Nat to go out. It's also the same way Connor went out. I don't, I don't, yeah, no, they don't all need to go out the same way. Yeah. What do you think? Agreed. Agreed. It'd be kind of suck to get fired and have your mom die. Double whammy. Yeah, no, she doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. We're trying to get our predictions in before we've seen this these finales we're trying to prep ourselves for the absolute worst case so that when not the worst case happens we're like that wasn't bad bad that wasn't bad and then like you guys just wait next week we'll be like that was so bad oh my god yeah next week we're gonna be like why do we do this to ourselves yeah yeah as we like drink wine from the bottle copiously and like just cry that's the whole that's what the whole episode next week is gonna be us to be like "Ah." yeah yeah exactly All right, take us through Crockett in April, please. Okay. Oh, man. My heart for Crockett in this week, man. I I know. Can we just bubble wrap him and, like, protect him at all costs? Really? It was so funny. So somebody in the Patreon group today on Facebook was like, so, you know, based on the pod last week, like, whose defense team would you be on? Obviously, like, you're on the Will Halstead defense team, whatever. And I was saying, like, oh, yeah, I'd probably put Casey and Brett in there. Um, And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I realized it until this season, but I guess I would be on the Crockett defense team. Like, can I be your co-chair on the Crockett defense squad? Like, yes. can I be your second in command? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, I want to be on that squad. Especially this episode, my heart. I, I just, I love him so much. He's just so like sweet and gentle and like, I'm describing him the same way I describe Vision, but I mean, he's just, yeah, he's, and the thing is, and it it was really clear in this episode, not that it hasn't been clear before, but he cares about his patients and the work he's doing and it like informs everything he does. And it just, it makes me so happy. I know he's, he's that person who's just got such a big heart that like, it's just, it's almost like exhausting to him because he cares so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he clearly got into medicine for the right reasons. Yeah. And it just, I love it. I love it too. I love it too. Okay. So Crockett notices April, they're in the ED, of course, getting ready to start the day. Crockett notices April looking at potential courses in a guide. And it's because she has an interview for meds nurse practitioner program that day, later that day. And so he's, of course, encouraging her. Great, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so she asked Crockett, like, if he's okay. And she's like, oh, you haven't seemed like yourself lately. Um, But he's like, yeah, 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 I'm fine kind of blows it off so they get this patient who just had a double lung transplant a week ago but is now in respiratory distress and of course it just happened that crockett was his surgeon for the lung transplant 
So now this guy has bilateral pneumonia and they have to figure out why he has pneumonia when he literally just got a double, double lung transplant. And he and April step out in the hallway and they're talking or whatever. And he's like, I do know that when it goes this bad, this fast, like surgeon error is always at the top of this list. So why you got to be so hard on yourself? He's thinking that like, oh shit, like I made a mistake. I haven't been on my game. Like this is about to be bad. So Crockett tells the patient that the next step is to put him on ECMO. Connor's favorite. And they might not even be able to save his lungs. So again, Crockett is really beating himself up. So April mentions to Crockett that she saw a lot of x-ray films that looked like this patient's when she was in the COVID ward. But Crockett says, oh, the donor was negative. The patient tested negative when he came in today. Like, it can't be COVID. Um, And he also admits to her that his head has been completely out of the game. He says, you know, truth is, you are right. Like, my head has been completely out of the game lately. And because of that, I may have caused this man this life. Does Crockett suffer from anxiety? about i probably in general probably he's kind of like spiraling with this case i feel so bad for him because he feels like it's his fault yeah yeah he feels the guilt and it's completely dictating everything and Mm -hmm. yeah so april decides to grow behind crockett's back and she goes to the lab to see if there's any lung tissue from the donor that could be tested for covid and there isn't but there are some deep washings. So April signs for Crockett without his knowledge, of course, to <laughs> get these washings tested and see if there's traces of COVID. So Crockett comes back to find his patient not on ECMO like he had asked. And April tries to tell him about the results of the culture of the washings and that she ordered, but he cuts her off. And he's like, April, you for you to ignore me because of something you thought you saw in an x-ray is absolutely inexcusable. And he's just going on and on. And April's like, but wait a second. Like, it was positive. Like, there were traces of COVID DNA in the lungs. Like, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's relieved to hear that. But then the problem is they still got to do something about the lungs. So he thinks, Crockett thinks he can potentially save one of the lungs, not both of the lungs, but one of the lungs, but it would be a very risky procedure. And the patient ultimately agrees to do the surgery. He's just like, I, I trust you. Which I was like, oh, my heart. Um, so the patient wakes up. The surgery seems to be a success. Great. And so out in the hallway, Crockett apologizes to April. And he's like, oh, you saved her his life. And then he's like, oh, my God, I forgot. Like, how did your interview go? And she's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And she, like, rushes over to the office for the nurse practitioner program. But, of course, they're closed. And she's, like, really beating herself up about that. So then we get to this big glass scene. and On the green screen balcony. On the green screen balcony, (laughs) yes. And Crockett pages Natalie up to the roof. If you and Will are getting back together, just tell me. It's not knowing. Driving me crazy. No. Will and I are not getting back together. Okay, then what? I mean, you've been keeping secrets. Shutting me out. I mean, something's going on. <sighs> what? I, I stole meds from Will's trial. My mom was so sick. 
and nothing was working. I was desperate. I wanted to tell you, but I felt so guilty and so afraid. And now my mom is dying in there and she needs a new heart. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I died a little bit when he said, oh, honey. I was like, oh, I, I died a little bit. Yeah. It's like on the one. Okay. I kind of feel like I need to take back a tiny, tiny little bit of what I said last week about how, like, yes, I understand where Natalie's coming from, but I felt like I was a little harsh on her because, mm-hmm. like, I get, I get it. I really do. Like, it sucks to see your parents sick and, you know, dying. Like, I, like, I get it. Like, trust me, I was her last year. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I still, part of me is, like, you are a doctor. Like, you do have, you took an oath to mm-hmm. be a doctor and do medicine the right way. But when she was explaining it to Crockett here in the scene, I was like, my heart did feel for Natalie. I was like, I felt every word that she said. She was like, my mom was so sick and nothing was working. And like, I, like, I felt that. I still am not like, doesn't mean she wasn't wrong, but like, I don't know. I feel like I feel felt for her more this week. You can tell, I mean, in, in the way she was crying to Will last week when he found the, when he found the pill, the pills and the way she was crying to him, it's just, it's such a frustrated cry of like, I just don't know what else to do. I'm just trying everything I can do, no matter how ridiculous it is. So yeah, no, I, I get it. And, and, and I know you, you were hurt last year. If I were ever in that position, I would be the same way. I would be, you know, going to the ends of the earth to find a solution, no matter how crazy it would be. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I understand it. I understand it. Did Crockett react the way you expected him to? Well, see, here's the thing is like, we haven't still, I feel like really seen him react. Like his first initial reaction is like to comfort her because this is a woman that he loves. Mm-hmm. But like, that also doesn't really tell us anything. Like he, all he said was, come here, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, we don't then see him say like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, we don't see any of that. Yeah. So like, yes, to answer your question, yes. Like I always thought that Crockett was going to sympathize with her, Mm -hmm. but does that mean he agrees? And like, what does he do next week? I think I'm more curious about. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, for some reason, just envisioned him being like, you did what? And then just being like, oh no, but. But uh, I think he still could do that. Yeah. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with being, like, sympathetic to Natalie and being, like, I'm so sorry you're feeling like this, but also, like, what the fuck did you do? Yeah. And, like, you need to go turn yourself in. hmm And, like, I could honestly see him being the one to be, like, I mean, like, yeah, it's gonna suck, but, like, you gotta do the right thing, and the right thing is, like, you gotta turn yourself in. Like, I, I, think, she's, I, could, I think she knows that she wants to go ahead and turn herself in, but I could see him encouraging her and be like, no, you're doing the right thing by turning yourself in. I think she knows what she has to do. I think she'll eventually come to her senses and just be like, no, I have to, you know. I will say, though, if we're predicting next week's finales while we're here, just for every storyline, because why not? Um, I am a little sad to think about what Mansell scenes come may come next week, because I know it's just going to be sad, and mm-hmm. I'm not ready for it. God, we need clown masks. I really do know <laughs> we really do just get us some clown masks and stick them on our faces because 
yeah like i like i am like i am sad because i'm feeling it's only going to be sad scenes for me until next week obviously and i'm just i'm sad i know no i know so i just need to rewatch that um shoulder kiss from the beginning i just need to rewatch the like few happy moments i got so the shoulder kiss is good but you know what moment there's really kills me is after they get kidnapped together and he pulls her in for that hug like that kills me that's like oh yeah yeah i mean that was the first one last year where i was like i think i see something and everyone including you were like what are you talking about and i was like no guys i swear i just didn't want to admit it that i was like (laughs) i kind of enjoyed that but i was like no like i'm just gonna go on admitted it i was like yeah "Yeah, i'm here for it i got so much shit for it and now look where we are (laughs) now look where we are you are mansell trash it's okay i'm mansell trash too bretzy trash but yes i I wouldn't call myself bretzy trash but mansell trash yeah i can definitely be full on bretzy trash we'll get there we'll get there yeah yeah Oh boy. Oh, Crockett. Sweet, sweet Crockett. Just bubble wrap him. Protect him. At all costs. At all costs. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So moving on to Maggie. Maggie, Maggie. Okay. So it's like the, the med students are, I think, coming to like their end of their program residency. I still don't understand. I know. I, I don't get don't it either. Understand. Yeah. I don't, but whatever. I'm not even going to try to figure it out. I thought you don't really set foot in a hospital until you're a resident, but you're a resident when you graduate med school. Are you not? No, you're an intern. I don't know. You go med school and then intern and then residency. That much I know, because or that's how my dad did it. Let's put it that way. That's how Grace does it. That's how my dad did it. Meaning these med students have pretty much no business in a hospital. I mean, let's put it this way. No business actually seeing patients. I mean, if you want to shadow someone, sure. I'm not saying they don't go to a hospital to shadow doctors. I'm sure they do. But, but I- don't place a chest tube. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Maggie is staring at Vanessa and just kind of tells Goodwin she's thinking about telling her the truth since it's her last day here. And Goodwin's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Because like once you take that last step. mm." So Maggie asks Vanessa if they can meet up at the end of the day to go over abbreviations. Real smooth, Maggie. Mm -hmm. Real smooth. Um, And Vanessa agrees. And so later on, Vanessa brings her parents to the hospital. If you're a med student, I you can't. So weird. So weird. Like, and it's an ED. Like, even if you're a doctor, I don't think you're going to bring your parents right, around. Like, you don't bring your parents to the show and tell. It's like, not like this is like elementary school where you're like, hey, mom and dad, look at that art I made on the wall. And this is my teacher. And this is my desk. That's not how this goes. That's not how this goes. Hey, mom, this is my patient who's dying. Like, that's not, no. I mean, I get it for the point of the storyline. Like, they had to see Maggie see her parents. Like, I got it. I, I, I got it. But like, there are other ways they could have done it yeah yeah like they could have just seen like they could have met Vanessa outside the hospital to take her to dinner like I mean you know like that would have felt fine to me mm-hmm. that's nor normal you don't bring them into the ED not during the time of COVID Ex- yes that too that too I mean don't get me started on why people are still wearing masks but yeah. what, what do you mean in the hospital I feel oh. like I feel like, yes, I get it that the mask mandate was lifted. Like, I get it. But, like, in a hospital, I just, I don't know. There's a scene in PD that we will get to where I'm like, seriously, really? No masks? Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. But, but anyway. Yeah. Point B, it's, it was weird. It was weird. It was. Um, 
Yeah, it was weird. I just feel like if you're going to parade your parents around the ED, like they're going to be in the way no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Maggie handles it well. And so Vanessa stops by at the end of shift, just like she promised. And um, instead of going over the abbreviations, she just hands Vanessa a note card. Um, and then so she's just like, yeah, like your parents seem like really nice people. And Vanessa's like, yeah, they're the best. And Vanessa's like, okay, well, did you need anything else? And Maggie's like, nope, that's it. Um, but Vanessa walks away and Maggie's just kind of like, damn it. Like her face just kind of says like. It says it all. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess it's going to come to a head next week, or maybe they're just going to kind of drag it into season seven. I don't know. Do you think Maggie tells her next week? I could see it. I could see it happening. I can see see that being one of the cliffhangers. But it's so quick that I could also see Vanessa being like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I definitely don't think Vanessa. Yeah, I think that definitely, but I think that's definitely probably one of the cliffhangers. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the question of, does Ma- or Vanessa even know that she's adopted? I don't know. I know. I know. I feel like she would have mentioned that when she, like when Maggie was like, oh, your parents seem nice. I feel like she would have mentioned, Vanessa would have mentioned it in passing. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So don't yeah, we'll know. see. We'll see. We'll see. So Ethan and Archer. Oh man. What a story. I can't stand Archer. What a story. Okay. So. Ethan comes in the doctor's lounge and finds Archer sitting there. And Ethan asks him whether or not he's met with Dr. Charles yet. And Archer's like, oh, yeah, I have. Like, actually, he referred me to a veterans group. And I actually went last night. And he's like, I want to thank you. He says to Ethan, he's like, you know, I want to thank you for leaning on me. Like, last night was inspiring. And I'm like, are you being facetious or are you being uh, sincere? I don't know yet. Yeah. So Goodwin comes in and asks both of them to take care of this 18-year-old girl who was just diagnosed with a cranio. He, I, I had to Google it, how you spell it, and I still don't know if I could say it. Hemangioblastoma. It's a brain tumor. Yeah, brain tumor. <laughs> um, and she has recently, she just passed out, and she's like, oh, it's not a big deal, but her parents are super worried. So they decide to get a CT and see what they're dealing with. But regardless, this patient does not want brain surgery. Doesn't want to remove the tumor, like does not want it. And of course she's 18. So her parents can't make her get the surgery. And so they're discussing out in the hallway and Dr. Archer mentions that they could, however, apply for a temporary power of attorney, which would give them the ability to make medical decisions should the daughter become unconscious. Uh, but Ethan's like over here being like, you can do it with her consent, but using it to get a procedure that she wouldn't want done would still be circumventing your daughter's stated wishes. Like AKA don't do it. What is up with Archer and him knowing all of these different ways to like take decision-making capabilities from someone? I don't know. I feel like there is, I mean, there is so much about Archer. We don't know, but He's like. He's so sketchy. He do I want to know out. about it? Do I want to know? It's the real question. Do we want to know? I do just to get it over with and just be like, okay, that's great. Now go, go away. Go away. Bye-bye. Go away. So this girl, Mindy, the 18-year-old, has gone unconscious and Archer encourages the patients to use their POA. Ethan, however, suggests drilling holes in her skull to release the pressure so that when she wakes up, they can get her consent for surgery. 
So the parents were like, fine, just drill into your skull. But before they drill into her skull, Ethan asks Archer, like, he pulls him aside and is like, did you sedate her? And all Archer can say is, I'm trying to save this girl's life, which isn't exactly a no. It's not. And if that's his MO of just sedating patients, then he's got to go. I mean, he did it last week. Doing it this week. But he would have sedated her with the goal of her parents deciding to do the surgery. He wasn't, he, he wouldn't have sedated her with the goal of Ethan drilling, drilling holes in her head, like Grey's Anatomy style. No, but like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and I'm not saying like, even last week, it's not like he, his, in, I mean, yes, he had intent. It's not like he had, I guess, bad intentions. Like his ultimate intention was to save the patient last week and get him the surgery that he needed so he wouldn't, his appendix wasn't burst. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's sitting here being like, oh yeah, I want him to have surgery so he can die. Or, you know, like it's nothing bad like that. It's ultimately to save these patients' lives, but- But it's manipulative AF. Yeah, but that's what I said. He didn't say no that he didn't sedate her. All he said was, I'm trying to save this girl's life. Mm. Anyway, so Ethan drills the hole and she starts waking up. So Ethan tells her parents that, you know, she can only stay like this with the drain out of in her brain, you know, for so long. And eventually she's going to need the surgery. So Archer asks for a minute by himself with the patient. And he actually kind of opens up about his time in the military and like ties it into her situation. You can just listen to the audio. Leaving that stairwell was the hardest thing I ever had to do. But it was what I needed to do to save my life. Do you understand? So, as scary as this is, if I'm there with you the whole time during the surgery, will you take that chance too? It's really my only chance. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Looks like you may have picked the right man for this job. He told one story that doesn't mean that he's the right guy for the job. Right. And I was like, and at first when he was telling this whole thing, I was like, oh, this may be the best Archer moment we've had all season. I was like, this is bad. But then, but then, so the girl's surgery seems to have been a success and Ethan pulls Archer aside in the hall and they're talking, whatever. And Archer, he's like, oh, so, or Ethan says something about like, oh yeah, I didn't know that about you, that, you know, this story or whatever. And Archer's like, like, I may or may not have heard the story from one of the guys in my vets group. And he makes this comment. He says, you know, it's not exactly the same story, but it's close. I never believe a character when they tell a story and then they're like, oh, I made it up or, oh, it wasn't mine. I never believe it. I Okay, so that was what I was going to ask you. Do you think when he says it's not exactly the same story, but it's close, do you think that is referring to like, 
oh yeah, I may have fudged some details of that guy's story, but it's close enough. Or do you think it's saying it's not, he's saying it's not exactly the same story as mine, but it's close enough. It's not the, it's not exactly the same as mine, but close enough. That's how I took it. Yeah. I, I think the real version of what happened is probably like horrifying to the point that he could only tell so much of it. Yeah. And but, that's the thing yeah. too, is like, if they, and here's where I feel conflicted. I don't want more Archer because I don't like Archer as a character, but I think if they really got into that backstory and the PTSD stuff, like I, we both really like complex military characters with PTSD. I don't know why, but we're we suckers for it. Yeah. I'm a huge sucker for that. So like part <laughs> Tim Bradford. Uh, Tim Bradford. Jay Halstead. Yeah. Jay Halstead. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, clearly suckers over here. But like, so part of me is intrigued and I want to know more. But part of me is like, I also can't stand this guy. I want him not to come back in season seven. He's, he's so abrasive. It just like, and, and I, I just don't like his strategy of taking the autonomy away from these patients just to save their life. Like taking away someone's autonomy is trauma in and of itself. Like you're going to save their life, but you're still going to fuck them up in the head. Yeah. That's traumatic in and of itself. And so I just, he's manipulative. He's abrasive. I, unless they like seriously tweak his character, I cannot deal with that for a full season. Like he's, he's gotta go. Yeah. And I, I don't know if he'll be around next season, but yeah, I've just been kind of thinking about, do I actually want him to go? Do I want him to stay? And I think I'm leaning towards go, but I, yeah. 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 But anyway, that's Ethan and Archer this week. I mean, I want to like him. I do. It's just he's. It would take a lot of retooling. A lot of retooling. Yeah. 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 It's just like how when they made PD a spinoff, they were like, well, fuck, we have to make Voight like semi-human now. Yeah. That's kind of what's going to have to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Last up, we've got Dr. Charles and Ramona. I I was just kind of eh about this one. I'm just glad. I mean again the girl who's played Ramona has done a fantastic job with this arc this season and I can't remember her name right this second but I am glad the storyline has finally come to a close I think they did a good job of wrapping it up and I'm glad that it didn't end with Ramona being like a psycho killer who went Mm -hmm. after Anna or Dr. Charles and harmed them whatever like I'm glad that this is the ending it got if it's actually over don't I I think it's over. You don't think it's over? I mean, it's one Chicago. They always do weird shit in the finales, right? Oh, man. I was, I mean, I thought it was over. I'm I'm choosing to believe it's over. No, don't get me wrong. I hope it's over. But we're (laughs) one Chicago fans. We prep for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. So, okay. So um, Maggie pages Dr. Charles because she found Ramona sitting on a bench saying that she wanted to talk to him. And this is a whole new Ramona. Like she's in a suit. She's very nice and pulled together. Like she looks good. But she basically explains, she's like, I got an apartment. I got a job. Like I'm doing great. And she wants to grab a coffee with him. But he's like, let's just make an appointment. Um, and she's just like, yeah, but I just thought we would hang out. And he's like, no, no, let, let's just let's just make an appointment. Like call me anytime. Um, she's not thrilled about it, but you know, yeah. So um, Dr. Charles is so good at like boundaries. He's so good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so Ramona comes to Dr. Charles's office and he's just like, yeah, so what happened in the last four weeks? Like what's going on? And she's like, yeah, I realized that, you know, I wasn't in my right mind. Everything I did was crazy. And he circles back to the topic of her father. And she admits that, yeah, she was molested as a child. So Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, that's amazing that you recognize it, but recognizing it and processing it are two different things. And she's like, no, but like, I've processed it. I'm good. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I just wanted to have a normal chat. And she storms out of his office. So Dr. Charles tries to reach out to Ramona, but it goes straight to voicemail. Later on, he gets a call from her and he's like, don't move. Like, I'm on my way. So he goes up to the roof and finds her on the ledge about to jump. We've been there before with characters jumping from that ledge. Can like, can, can we, we not? Can we not? I know. That ledge is a dangerous place. I know. I was, that was one of the first things I was thinking about. I was like, can we not? Can we not? <laughs> I think that ledge is like, that ledge is like the Halstead ring. It's like kind of cursed. Yes. No, no more. No more ledge. Like put up, a, there is a rail, but like put up another rail. I don't know. It makes me nervous. So yeah, she's just like, I'm scared. He's like, yeah, of course you're scared. Like you've been through something really awful. And he just tells her like, you know, to go through that, to process it is scary as hell, but you're brave enough to do it. And she's like, you really think so? And he's like, yeah. And I know about a safe place where it can happen. So he tells her about this home for women who have been sexually abused, who have been in the same position that she is. And he takes her there. And that's how it ends is, is with her being introduced and, you know, just kind of go, going there to, to heal. And so, I mean, I'm glad it came to, I'm glad it came to a positive end. Yeah, me too. I yeah. didn't think it was, but I'm, I'm glad this is where it ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad, like, I think she really needed to hear that, that Dr. Charles was like, no, you're strong enough to do this. Like she really needed to hear that. Yeah. And she needed to hear it from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So any other notes on med? No, I think that's it. I, like I said, I'm not as nervous for the med finales, but maybe I should be. I know. I know. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Moving into fire. <sighs> okay. Um, we're just, we're going to start with Stellar. I don't because... think there was anything that I hated about this. Episode. I, I loved every single minute of this. Every single part of this episode was absolutely perfect every single part which is why i'm really fucking scared for the finale i know yeah same yeah really scared so start us off with stellaride please okay so in case you needed the reminder stella kid is a fucking lieutenant in the party horn party horn so it's right before shift she's off to celebrate with one of her other friends who passed the exam and she and it's she and Casey and Seb and they're all you know getting ready to go to shift and as soon as she leaves Kelly turns to Casey and he's like I've been rethinking things and I was like what did you huh <laughs> oh and, no oh no 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 oh, no 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 <laughs> and he's like yeah well you know Stella said she never wanted to get married again because she doesn't want to find herself in a situation where she can't just leave which I was like, I, I get, mm-hmm. I, I get that. And Casey it says this too. He's like, I get that. I, I do. But he's like, I don't think you should be rethinking things. And I'm like saying like, don't, I get it. Like I do, but no. Yeah. 
So Bowden calls Sev and Casey into his office to talk about Stella's future. He reiterates what we already know. Like, there are no spots at 51 for her. But he's like, you know, I want you guys to do what you can to make sure she places a good house. So they start doing some research to see who may have the next opening. And at first, they can only find kind of duds, you know, like Morningside, you know, just some other ones that like, no, no, no. So Sev finds out that the engine lieutenant at 66 might be retiring this year. So Casey agrees to go talk to him after shift. Did you find yourself like every time they found a placement just being like, please don't work, please don't work, please don't work? Yeah. Yeah. And I, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Casey goes to 66 and talks to the battalion chief over there to sing Stella's praises. Wish we had a spot open at 51. Kid's been on my rig for five years and I can't say enough about her. She's tough, loyal, works as hard as anyone you'll meet. She's also a hell of a lot of fun to be around. One of those people that when things get tough, she makes everyone around her feel like it's gonna be okay. It's just her personality, hopeful and and bright. Ultimately, the battalion chief is like, yeah, I can't make any guarantees, but like, I'll put her at the top of his list. Everything Casey says is spot on. Yes. Okay. But I have a question for you though. Mm -hmm. This ties into kind of the Bretzy stuff, but I put it here because it's a stellaride thing. Do you think as Casey is saying this, that while he's saying it about kid, and I truly believe that he means it about kid, it also helped him realize, oh shit. Like I kind of feel that way about Brett too. Ooh, ooh, because that's a good question. Play, okay, the only reason I say that is because of the music. And I don't think they play the music. Like, they don't typically play music like that if it's not, like, a romantic. And I couldn't tell if it's the Bretzy music or not. Huh. That is a really good question. I like that's that. That's the only reason I say that. Because then afterwards you see, you know, him have make the, you see it in his eyes when he makes the decision at Molly's to like go after her. But I just like, as he was saying it, like he kind of gets not choked up. And like, I get it. Like, yeah, he cares about Stella and like, does he even says later, he's like, I don't want her to leave. Like I realized I would miss her on my rig if, you know, she leave when she mm-hmm. leaves. But I also kind of made me feel like I was like, oh, like, I think he probably is also talking about Brett, too. I think you could argue it. I mean, I can't remember yeah. if there's a moment later on where, like, he has that moment of clarity that makes him go talk to Brett. But I think you could definitely argue it. Yeah. I don't know. This just kind of made me feel like it was this combined, obviously, I think, with the Gabby, whatever. It was just something, especially because of the music. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't feel like they would have played music. Mm-hmm otherwise it's like it's like casey casey saying it like made him realize how much stella means to him which in turn made him realize how much brett means to him right yeah Yeah. and that he wouldn't want brett to be not in his life that's right yeah i don't know it just like i said it was just some of the something about that scene i was like oh like i get that he yes he's saying all these things about stella but i also think he's probably thinking about brett too yeah anyway um that was all anyway so Later on, after the ceremony for Mouch, which we'll get to, all of 51 gets called to a structure fire. So they get, there's, they think there's just one victim in there. They get the one victim out and Severide's like, I'm going to stay behind to finish the search. And Stella's like, I'm going to stay with him. 
and they ultimately get trapped and they're trying to go out the back but what ends up happening is just like 10 times more amazing did it in like one of the most idiotic ways I've ever seen but also it's so them and it works I just I don't know I I loved it though I mean that is the perfect way to put it the perfect way to put it like my first reaction was really (laughs) it wasn't like oh my god it was really I was it was the thing is is like I was crying like literally crying but I was like, really, Suffer? I was like, really? And then I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. And then I was like, but really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is one of those moments that is purely like TV dramatic effect moments. So stupid. I mean, yeah. asking Stella to marry him, not stupid. No. Taking your mask off in the middle of a fire. And then the thing is, it's like, okay, Severi does it, but then she does it too. And I was like, really? I was like, what the fuck? Remember when Dawson first became a firefighter and she took off her mask and Casey went like ham on her. He was so angry with her. So angry. As he should have been. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus. And then in the You're My Miracle episode, when he took his mask off, she was like, did you just fucking do that? Yeah. Two two rules of Chicago Fire out of this one, okay? Two rules. Ready? Don't fucking take your mask off in the middle of a fire. Duh. And don't propose in the middle of a call. Unless you're separate. I mean, I get why, like, in that moment, it felt right to him, right? Yeah. Like, he his worry was about her leaving, and she says, you know, like, I'm never going to leave you. Like, don't you get that? And so he <laughs> was like, oh, shit. Like, now is the time. Like, I get it. But, like, really? <laughs> the middle of a burning fire like get yourselves out first and then go propose and then and then do it a fire kelly but all this to say it still made me so happy that i don't even really care uh, yeah same boat same boat I, I mean once i got over the like really um then i was like they're engaged Severide actually got on one knee and asked the love of his life to marry him. He did the thing. And he like, like let that sink in. Traditional too. He's like, Stella Kid, will you marry me? Like, yeah. Our little Severide has come so far. And I think that's honestly part of the reason why like it did make me so emotional because I was like, I mean, we all knew it was coming. We knew that a Stella Ride engagement was coming. Mm-hmm. But like it made me so emotional because it was like you think back about 
where he's come from season one to now and just the circle of Severide being no longer being a thing. And it just, I don't know, like the character development for Severide has just been so good. And it just, it made me, it made me really emotional. So, so good. So, so good. I feel like the, the, the show at this point, it's, it's like fine wine. It's just getting better and better with age. I I really do. I, I think season nine has been what, even though it's been a shorter season, I think season nine has been like one of my favorite seasons by far. It's been fantastic. I've really, really enjoyed the season. I mean, yes, there's been a few things. I'm like, I don't know. But like if overall, it's been one of my favorite seasons. I've <laughs> loved the season. I will say that the, the only aspect of this that, I, that I'm okay with, I mean, yeah, okay, he proposed in a fire, which is ridiculous. But they get their little secret now. They haven't told everybody yet. So it's oh, like. So I was going to say, so I think honestly, one of my favorite parts about this is so when they finally make it out the back and they're like walking around the building the look on these two idiots faces as they come out engage and they look they share with each other I was like oh my god and then when they leave fire the firehouse after shift and they're like walking and they're like hugging or whatever and like he kisses her on the forehead on their way out I was like oh my god I know I was like oh my god I know they 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 kill me i love i yeah kill me in the best way so also just side note on the way out of shift casey asked Bowden because Bowden after the matches ceremony he has a conversation with dc hill and so on the way out of shift casey's like oh so what happened with your conversation and he's like some changes might be coming to 51 and casey's like good changes and he's like don't know yet time will tell Casey handled that far better than any of us would have. Because, <laughs> like, Bowden left him hanging. Bowden was like, I don't know. I would have been chasing after him. Like, no, 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 no. You have to tell me. You have to tell me now. Yeah. And I'm not the only person who would do that. Do you think it has to do with Stella? Uh, probably. He probably, yeah, he probably thinks, like, oh, Stella's going to have to go. Um, if DC Hill was there... She probably had other news too. It couldn't have just been Stella. Well, that was the only reason I thought was I I don't know. I thought it had to be Stella related. But like if DC Hill comes your way and it's like changes are coming and keeps it vague, I mean No, he's saying to Casey that some change I feel like Bowden knows. Why would you tease it and not tell? Because he probably can't tell. That would drive me nuts. Nuts. I'd rather not know at all than have it teased. I think Bowden knows and he can't tell anyone, not even his captain and lieutenant. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why he says some changes might be coming. But the only thing that why I'm like, I don't know if it's Stella or not, is when Casey's like good change and he's like, don't know yet. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. It's so vague that like, I don't even know what to speculate. I know. I know. So the end of the Stellar Ride comes when they decide to have sexy time instead of going to Molly's after shift, which I approve. <laughs> I'm okay with that for this. And she's like, you know, today was so perfect. Like, I don't want it to end. And he's just like, I promise it's only going to get better. And he's like, and there will be a ring soon. Like, I promise I'm going to make it official. And she's like, you know, I don't get caught up in that stuff. All I need is you. And then literally like a minute later, she's like, actually, I take it back. I'll take the ring too. And he just laughs and they end up making out in bed. And it's just, it's so cute. Precious, precious babies. Precious engaged babies. But it's too perfect. 
It's so perfect. We now live in a world where Stella Kid is a lieutenant and she's engaged to Kelly. She's going to be, do you think if, I'm going to say when they get married, mm-hmm. when they get married, because I refuse to leave, believe anything's happening. So, right? Mm-hmm. When they get married, she doesn't take his name, right? She still stays Stella Kid. I think she stays Stella Kid. I think so too. Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Mm. Oh, babies. They're so cute. Speaking of babies. <laughs> So we also have Cruz and Chloe and the slam again. We got some Chloe action and we got Chloe baby bump action. It's so cute. She is the cutest. It's so cute. The cutest. Okay. So Cruz and Chloe are looking for a new place, which like, yeah, good for them. Good for them. So they find a place they love. It's a bit over their budget, but they decide to put in an offer anyway. I mean, yeah. But like Chloe's got her little bump and she's so cute. And, you know, Cruz kisses him as he leaves to go to shift. I just, I, I, I like, I don't even know how many times I've rewatched that scene. It's just so cute. Domesticated Joe and Chloe. I, I. It makes me so happy. He, like, Stellarite's happy. They're happy. Everybody's happy. That's why this episode is nice. Is because for a second, everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. happy. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I'm really fucking scared for the finale. But during shift kind of get a repeat of that call from like season three a helicopter misses its landing and it ends up dangling from the side of like the roof of a building and so it's like literally like the building and then there's like the helicopter quite literally just like dangling off of it we gotta make a side note here though because the thing that bugs me so much about this scene is the editing and that Severide's hat while they're like trying to tie off the helicopter whatever it literally goes from forwards to backwards to forwards to backwards and I just couldn't it was literally the first thing I noticed and it bothers the hell out of me maybe he was just picky with his hat I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sign me up for the Kelly Severide Friend Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that you're defending his hat choices. Okay. Dibs, dibs. Captain of the Kelly Severide Defense Squad. Hi, that just happened. <laughs> Line forms to the left as I point to the right. Line forms to the left. <laughs> so hmm. Cruz is the one who repels down. And I mean... Yeah, and Cruz just repels down, la la la, like, haha, just me, you know, just a normal day, you know, repelling down the side of a giant building, woohoo, gets the guy out, saves the day. Textbook. Textbook. This is why this episode is wonderful, is because everything is going according to plan. It's all going nicely. Things are nice and easy. Uh, were you afraid at all that we were going to end up in a situation a la the most, one of the most recent episodes of Lone Star? Which? Where the car is dangling off the bridge and they try to go down and get him and they oh, and Natasha Marjan loses can't. the guy. No, Natasha's Marjan. her actual name, Marjan. Yeah. Um, I wasn't worried about that. No. That was like one of the first things I thought about. No. Oh. But I'm glad it didn't happen like that. No, no. Um, yeah, so Cruz gets down and the, the guy asks Sylvie, he's like, Who is that guy? And she's like, That's Joe Cruz. And she goes, he goes, Oh, well, Joe Cruz is a rock star. Yeah. I don't disagree. Put it on a t-shirt, which we will. I mean, <laughs> Joe Cruz is a rock star. He is a rock star. We could have told you that. It's like some like mean girls kind of level conversations. Like, who is that guy? <laughs> oh, that's Joe Cruz. Yeah. Oh, well, Joe Cruz is a rock star. Like, I just, that's how I picture it going. That's why his hair is so big. It's full of secrets. 
His dad invented toaster strudel. Joe Cruz is a rock star. Pass it on. One time he punched me in the face. It It was was awesome. awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love that movie so much. So good. The best. Okay. So this guy, Mark Newcomb, he is so impressed with Cruz that he tracks him down to 51 and brings him a bottle of whiskey. So this guy at first is like, all right, fine. Like he flew his helicopter. That's weird. He made it like a a little mistake. The whiskey, I was like, all right, he's trying to be nice. From the whiskey and on, he just goes right into Creeperville. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, I Googled you. Okay. Can we talk about three words you should never say to somebody else? I Googled you. I Googled you. Yep. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Any sort of I Googled you or I looked you up, mm-mm. Too far. Too far. Too far. Even in this day and age of, like, social media and LinkedIn and the internet, too far. Too far. Too far. If you're going to Google somebody, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Just, just keep it to yourself. Yeah, so he's like, hey, I Googled you. And he's like, I know all about the slam again. And Cruz is like, cool, awesome. And he wants to invest in the slam again. And so the first person Cruz tells is Brett. And I love that anytime something slam again related happens, Brett is the first person he goes to. I do too. Because she helped him launch it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And so he's like, yeah, like Newcomb and I are going to have a meet after shift and we're going to discuss the options. So Cruz goes over to Newcomb's house after shift and like, it's a giant house. This guy screams like douchey. Oh, a hundred percent. And I'm not saying that just because he's like loaded. I'm saying that because he screams totally douchey. He's totally, it totally is. You guys, it's his helicopter. Like he, he bought himself a helicopter. It's his, it's like a toy to him. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Giant house. Like, yeah, whatever. So Cruz is like, I know, I, I don't like this. Like, I, I, I think I'm going to turn down the deal. I don't want to do this because, you know, Newcomb's like, well, we're going to travel. You, you know, things are going to take off. There's going to be a lot of money, but like, Can't you're always going to be house 51 anymore. Yeah, like, yeah. Blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm not into this. So he's down. Um, and so Cruz goes to Sylvie's after and tells her, he's like, it just didn't feel right. Like, this is, you know, and Cruz is like, did I just make a big mistake? Like, what are the chances I'm ever going to see another opportunity like this? And she just says, she's like, you have to trust your gut and your gut sent you a very clear message. Sylvie is spot on. This is the scene too that made me, I was like, oh, if there was any doubt that Sylvie was going to be that baby's godmother, then like, this is it. She is so clearly going to be the godmother. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, life lesson here, always trust your gut. Always, always. trust your gut, because it is always right. Always always and I say that from experience there have been times where I didn't and yeah yeah always trust your gut and always stick to your guns like Cruz tells Mm -hmm. him no and Cruz sticks to it Cruz is like no fuck off yeah life lessons from Joe Cruz because Joe Cruz is a rock star just just in case you forgot so um yeah so then then at Mouch's ceremony, Newcomb shows up and pulls Chloe aside. This bitch. No, 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 no. That's no. where you crossed the line. You have crossed the line. I like the minute you start messing with a pregnant character, like I am done. Like, well, and the thing too that bothered me about this whole thing is it's not like they've met before or whatever. And Cruz is sitting here and telling him about his wife. He's like, oh yeah, I recognized her from your Facebook photo. And I was like, that's no. just so weird. So, so weird. weird. So weird. So weird. 
And okay, so so I bring this up about pregnant characters just because you all know we watched The Rookie and they just had their finale on Sunday. And like, Angela's pregnant on that show and they messed with her. And I was like, no, she's pregnant. Like, protect her. Be nice to her. I know. Don't like... you're harming two people when that happens and mm -mm. no mm -mm. you're not just harming one person you're harming two people Mm -hmm. exactly bingo you're harming two people and and Nukem like preys upon her in this moment which like Mm -hmm. first off I mean we need to stop looking at pregnant women as like weak and vulnerable but also I mean you know and she just looks so uncomfortable Mm mm-hmm I'm like, yep. no, 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 no. And I think we've all been in that situation where a guy comes up to you in a public space and like, you feel like you can't get away. Yeah. That happened to me at ATX one year, actually. Um, at ATX? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was pre, it was before your day. It was probably like oh. 14, 15, maybe. Okay. Um, we took a pedicab back from Friday Night Lights and mm. um, at like, you know, one, two in the morning, you know, things get a little rowdy outside. Um, Fair. Fair. Yeah, and and this guy like started flirting with me and my friend, and he like he like got up like right here in my ear and was just like whispering like inappropriate things, but I was like frozen. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what the hell to do. And thankfully, my friend was like, "You need to back the fuck up." Yeah, I didn't need for that to be story face. time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and Chloe's totally uncomfortable, but thankfully, Sylvie's like, "Dude, Joe, like," uh, uh. and Joe's just like, "Oh no, no, we're 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 putting a stop to this." Like. That's Stay happening. away from my wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and Newcomb, Newcomb is like, oh, we have an oral contract. No, you don't, bitch. No, you don't. Hashtag lawyered. You do not have an oral contract. You just think you do. Like, this is why he's douchey is because he's throwing around big words just because he thinks that Joe's not going to understand them. Right. Yep. Hmm. Now I'm getting defensive. I'm like, <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm like. Maybe you're also on the Joe Cruz defense squad. We're all on the Joe Cruz defense squad. I mean, squad. true, true. Everybody is on the Who's Joe Cruz defense squad. not on the Joe Cruz defense squad? And if you're not on the Joe Cruz defense squad, you need to evaluate your life. What is, I was going to say, what is wrong with you? Exactly, exactly. Everybody's on the Joe Cruz defense squad. <sighs> okay, so. And yeah, Newcomb's like, I want slam again and I'm going to have it like hell you are, bro like hell you are so later Cruz goes to Newcomb's house and they have a nice little chat I need you to understand something you think you got me figured out that I'm some rude firefighter doesn't know his way around a balance sheet buddy you have no idea who I am and you can't even imagine what I'm capable of but if you come anywhere near my firehouse or my family again And that moment when the camera pans back and Tony and Cap are just sitting there like, let's go. It's so good. Let's go. Also, LOL that it's Tony and Cap, but also just so good. So good. Say what you want about Tony and Cap. I think they could kick some ass if need be. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I just, it's just funny because it's Tony and Cap. Like, it's just, it's just funny because it's them. But yeah, no, I would not want to mess with Tony and Cap in a fight. Mm -mm. Tony is probably like, Tony strikes me as the strong silent type. Only because, I mean, Tony is quite literally strong, Tony. Yeah, yeah, he is literally, quite literally the strong silent type. Yeah, like, like Tony the actor is pretty much Tony the character. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Cap probably played, played college football. Like, he's he's a big guy. I wouldn't fuck with him. He's, he he's, has the Letterman jacket, remember? He definitely at least played high school football. We don't know what he lettered in, though. I still, like, Randy. I'm still, well, I choose to believe it was a football. 
I'm going to tweet him again. We're going to get an answer to this. <laughs> um, and I'm going to laugh really hard when he's like, oh, it was the chess club. I'm going to be like, that is so spot on. I'm going to tweet him again. I'm doing it right now. This is not the first time I've tweeted Randy in the middle of the episode. Um, <laughs> that is not. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that moment, like the camera pans to them and they're just like, let's go. So, okay. Where is this going though? I'm nervous for Cruz. I am I don't, too. I don't want to say that this guy is going to do something to him. But I also just think it's immense further that like, okay, Cruz is taking his role, his new role as father, like very seriously, because of course he is. And now I'm worried that he may not come up when Severide doesn't come up from the water. Oh my God. If it's a Cruz cliffhanger. <gasps> like I know I'm worried that it's going to be both of them. Like cap it. Cause we saw them all in wetsuits, right? Because yes. first, we are like, oh, Severide's going scubaing. And then there was that behind the scenes. <coughs> then there was that behind the scenes photo from Lulo. And he was like, it was a picture of uh, Taylor and Joe and Randy and Tony all in wetsuits. And I was like, oh, fuck. So it's a whole squad rest scuba thing. And so now I'm worried that Severide and Cruz don't come up, but Cap and Tony do. Yeah. That's my concern. Oh, man. But, like, also, if, if it's just a Cruz cliffhanger, then we really need clown masks. I'm sending you a clown mask if that's what happens. <laughs> okay. I think we might need to send it to, like, we, we have a group chat with the ladies who run the Shop Talk pod, which is the rookie podcast, Jennifer and Carrie. Um, Jennifer being a patron, but I think all four of us just need, like, super cheap clown masks. We should just we just need it's, it. It's multi-use at this point. Rookie, <laughs> really? I mean, 911 Lone really? Star. I mean, any show we watch. Oh yeah. I mean, Station 19. It's, yeah. it's a multi-use cloud mask at this point. I'm going to look this up on Amazon while you start us off on Mouch. Go for it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so that is the cruise storyline. Um, I'm super nervous now. I was not worried about cruise before this episode and now I'm worried. That's all I need to say. I am too. I am too. And that did, that did cross my mind of like, what if it's a cruise cliffhanger? I'm scared now. These clown masks are terrifying. Oh my God. Do I even want to see? Um, how do you feel about clowns? I'm not, I'm not like scared of them. These are terrifying. Maybe I will be after this. Yeah. Why? Why do like, we need, I just want like a silly little like Bozo the Clown type <laughs> children's birthday party type mask see but now i'm torn i'm like do i get a clown mask or do i get a dolly mask like Lacasa? oh yeah i'd rather have that oh okay, yeah i'd okay. rather have a dolly mask no we're not not anyway maybe, maybe my, okay. my maybe my problem was searching adult clown masks and that's why like terrifying ones came up maybe funny okay. clown masks so matches ceremony so as we saw last week matches getting awarded the uh firefighter award for valor for the party stop party shop save he had a few weeks ago and the ceremony is coming up in a week and of course because of covid and everything they can't have the normal like ballroom type ceremony they have so the cfd has put it on 51 to secure a venue so who does Bowden assign to the task except none other than gallo and ritter of course yes! i know so good so good and so Mouch casually mentions, he's like, you know, Trudy has some ideas and she's going to stop by later. And they're just like, cool, 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 cool. 
So Ritter and Gallo are, of course, struggling for ideas. And Violet's like, do you guys know what the fuck you're doing? And they're like, nope. And she's like, I'm going to help you guys. <laughs> and so Violet, of course, is like writing down ideas. And Brett's over in the corner. And she's like, um, Violet, have you ever met Mouch's wife, Trudy? And she's like, and, Fre- and Violet's still writing. She's like, I don't think so. Why? And Brett's like, just curious. The, the, the escalation here because you're just like okay well gallo sunshine how do we make this even better we add ritter we make them a duo well how do we make gallo and ritter, ritter even better we add violet to the mix how do we take this trio and make it even funnier than usual we take plat <laughs> and we throw her in the mix i was just about to say i feel like we've seen more plat both on fire and pd in the mm-hmm. last like little bit than we've seen of her in a long time and I am not complaining because no. it is amazing it's amazing it's amazing what killed me was when Violet met Trudy and was like she's amazing I was, I was just like, okay so Trudy stops by to hear ideas and she is not impressed <laughs> she's basically like it's soldier field or bus 50 yard <laughs> line it's soldier field or bus so even though, of course, like you said, she shot down all of their ideas, Violet's like, she is amazing and like literally like runs out after her. And it's so good. It's so good. And it, it's so perfect. And I'm going to need like, I'm, I'm going to need like this Gallo and, or not Gallo, uh, Violet and Trudy like. BFF. BFF. Yeah. I'm going to need that. Yep. Because, because yeah. that's amazing. And I love that Violet's like, she's incredible. Yeah. I also, I I also love that like Trudy hypes up Mouch so much that she's like Soldier Field. Like how, how do you not think that's like normal Soldier Field? It's Mouch. Like we had go big or go home. And I'm like, of course. Yeah, of course, Trudy. Oh my God. You're so right. So Gala, Ritter and Violet go down to Soldier Field to try to plead their case in person. And it's not going so well. And they at one point start lying to try to like get it to work. They're like, it's for this firefighter though. And he's blind. And, and, just... and he's, he, he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> and even the guy's like a blind firefighter. <laughs> but ultimately it doesn't matter because the stadium's not available that day. They already have another charity event going on. And as it turns out, like there's a change of plans and the ceremony's being moved up due to DC Hills travel plans. So now they actually only have a few hours to put together a ceremony out on the apron. So they're setting up the chairs for the ceremony and Ritter actually ends up abandoning Violet and Gallo because they keep arguing about the chair setup. Well, and then don't they have a moment where they talk about sexual tension? I'm getting there. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. (laughs) So while they're setting up, Gallo's like, it's, you know, it's just, it's been nice, like hanging out just as friends. And he's like, you know, there's no more sexual tension between us to mess everything up. And the look on Violet's face after he says that, she looks so heartbroken. I know. And I was like, oh no, my baby. And then we get to the ceremony and it's short and sweet, but it's beautiful. And when Mouch gets up there to, like, say his little speech or whatever, he literally just says, he's like, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Like, I just want to say 51 is the best place in the world. Like, I love you guys. And I was just like, oh, my God, my heart. I'll co-sign that. 51's the best. It really is, though. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. So. Later- also, also, Stella, or Stella and her lieutenant hat. I know. I'm like, my baby Stella's all grown up. I am curious though, like if you noticed, um, her hat and Severide's hat, they're little like 
I don't know. It's not a pin, but like they they have the thing on the front of their hat with like the. It's like I, yeah, I, I know. yeah. You know what I mean? But they're different colors, and that I couldn't I figure think, out. I think it has to do with squad and truck and all that stuff. That was my guess because I, if I remember correctly, hers is red, and I want to say when Casey was a lieutenant, his is red, and I want to say like even as a captain, it's obviously a different. Mm-hmm thing symbol yeah Yeah, symbol but i think his is red so i think it has to do with like truck squad because herman's is a different color too okay that makes sense that's the that's the closest i got Hmm. that makes sense anyway so later at molly's that night they're all like still giving match a hard time about the fact that Mapped is still wearing his medal and molly's and blah Hmm. blah 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 galax uses himself to go to the bathroom and he runs into violet and they're talking and she's like oh you know you were right like it has been hanging fun hanging out as friends and she's just like but don't forget about this and we get a violet and gallo kiss and i was like oh my god yeah violet at a girl i'm i love her so much yes queen get your man yeah literally grab him by the shirt and just yeah the confidence she, it takes to do that? Yes, Violet. And the confidence she has to walk away yes. and like just leave him there after the kiss. I was like, you go, girl. Um, There are nothing but queens at Firehouse 51. Like Wait, We are blessed. We stand queens. Yes, we are. Hashtag blessed to have the women of 51. Because queens, I tell you. But actually, though. I had a girl, Violet. I'm proud of you. But yeah, so that's that storyline, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. I have no expectations out of Violet and Gallo. Like, I'm happy with whatever they want to do. If they want to keep it purely physical, okay. If they want to have a relationship, I'm on board. Go for it. If they want to be friends, I can be down with that, too. If it makes them happy, it makes me happy. Yeah, whatever they those precious beans want, I am okay with. As long as we get to see it, because they're precious. I just, I love them. I love them so much. And I love the trio. Like, they were walking down the hall when they're talking about, like, going to Soldier Field. And I was looking at them, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, these millennials, like, these new additions to the show. I was just like, I don't even know what the show would be like without them anymore. I know. And I was like, I don't ever want to find out because I just love them that much. Okay. Berzik Water and Gallo Ritter and Violet in a tug of war. In a oh, tug of war, who wins? War. I thought you were about to ask me my favorite. I was going to be like, I was like, I can't do that. No, in a tug of war. Bursic water. Yeah, I think so. It's close, but I think maybe the slight edge to Bursic water. I think Kevin and Kim carry it. I think Adam is useless. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think Kevin gives them the like slight edge. And I don't know why, but Kevin gives them like a slight edge. Yeah. And then, I mean, you know, Gatlow and Ritter and Violet, like all three of them are like equal and they try so hard. It's just Kim and Kevin are a little too much. And Adam's just like, can we go drink now? <laughs> yeah. I thought and- you were going to ask. I really thought you were going to ask me, though, who was my favorite. I was like, I can't do that. No. I was like, what kind of evil person are you? <laughs> And then Upstead and Platt, like, place bets on who's going to win. Definitely. Could see that. Definitely. Yeah. So cute. Uh, okay. Last up, we've got Bretzy. Do you want Bretzy since they're your babies, or you want me to take them? I don't care. <laughs> you want me to take them? Okay. I don't care. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, Brett and Casey are having a nice chat about how Brett misses Veronica. When Cap interrupts them, you know why Cap interrupts them? 
Gabby is on the house phone. Gabby, girl. Okay, serious question. Do you think they tried to get Monica and because of her schedule, it, it didn't work? So they threw it in as like a house phone, whatever. I wondered that, but I don't think so. I think if they were going to have her back, they wouldn't have done it on the penultimate. I think they would have waited for the finale. You think so? I think so. I will say this though, is that I, I do like knowing that at any time they could pull that out of their back pocket and be like, surprise, Monica. Yeah. I think that they were like maybe talking about it and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I kind of figured there was no way they could not get through the Brett and Casey stuff without having that conversation without Casey making reference, at least to having that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I kind of figured she was going to pop back up at some point, mm-hmm. but I'm okay with this. I, I, I think I actually kind of prefer this. Like, we just hear about it. I don't need to see the conversation. I I just don't, but like I'm I, hearing about it is fine for me. I felt a little like judgy when Cap was like, Gabby's on the phone. I was like, she surfaces now, where's she been? Yeah, well, and that's kind of how Brett feels, right? Like Brett obviously is hurt because she thinks Casey's in love with Dawson still, mm-hmm. but she's like, oh, like, you know, tell her I said, hi, like it's been a long time. And I'm like, yeah, it has, it's been a year and a half. It still does not compute to me how you have this epic storybook romance with this guy, Casey, you find your soulmate and you actually have a best friend too. And you just up and leave them. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the just thing. just doesn't compute. Like even at one point, right? Like she and Casey have decided to get a divorce. Okay, whatever. It blows my mind because I would never do this with my best friends, but mm-hmm. that you would just, if she really meant that much to you, that you could just like leave her without any conversation blows my mind and I get it obviously it is a two-way street like Brett theoretically could have reached out too but like still Brett could have reached out but I think she's still she she's too hurt I mean I think they left on they left on terrible terms and I mean I I think that you know the the fact that Gabby only had it in her to like write her a note on the back of a picture shows how much she valued their friendship right I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I th- you could definitely still hear the hurt and annoyingness. And I think it's also hurt because she thinks, again, Casey is still in love with Dawson. But, like, you can hear the hurt in Brett's voice. And I don't think it's just because of Casey. I think it's because no, I she think and it's Gabby both. left on I such think bad terms. I think yeah. it's both. I think it's maybe 70% because of Casey, 30% because of Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. Herself. Yeah. So Brett and Violet get back from their call and Casey's like, yeah, Gabby, Gabby sends her best. Um, you know, she heard about Matcha's ceremony and she, she wants me to record it for her. I just want to know, how does she find out about Matcha's ceremony? Facebook? Facebook? I guess she is. She's on Facebook in Puerto Rico, I guess. But who's on Facebook? That's Firehouse. Mouch. It's old person stuff. Mouch is on, yeah, Mouch is on. Well, I wouldn't even say Mouch. I would say Trudy. That's what I'm saying. But like, it's, it's Mouch or Trudy. Definitely man um so but also you want casey to record the ceremony why don't you just call him what do you mean she did call him she called the house phone she called the house she didn't call casey looking for casey she wanted to talk to casey yeah call cell sure okay i i don't know maybe she thinks that's too weird i don't know okay so brett goes in the kitchen and violet's like hey i haven't seen granger around like 
been missing his hotness all over the place. Where'd he go? <laughs> and Brett's like, yeah, we broke up, but I'm the problem. Um, yeah. So she's like, I'm the problem looking for something I can never have. Ladies, don't ever internalize that, that you are the problem. Okay. Don't do that to yourself. You're better than that. Um, yeah. So she's like, I'm just looking for something I can never have. And Violet's like, well, what makes you so sure you can't? Like from what I've seen, you already do. You know, I picked it up on the day that I got here. You and Casey, you're, you know, the way you are with each other, it's kind of undeniable. It really is though. It really is. They're just kind of gravitating towards each other at this point. They, they always, they're like magnets. Yeah. Yeah. Always. So while Casey and Sev are making calls about Stella, Sev is like, well, hey, how'd your conversation with Gabby go? And Matt's like, it was weird because it's been a while since we talked, um, but they agreed to talk after the ceremony when they have more time to catch up. And Casey just says, I have a feeling that that conversation will tell me a lot. So over at Molly's, Casey is buying the next round of drinks for everyone. And he sees Brett put her jacket on and walk out. Ooh, in this moment. Ooh, child. Okay, here. After the ceremony, Gabby and I had a great conversation I'm happy for you Matt I really am no 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 that's not what I meant conversation was great because it just made clear what I already knew Gabby and I will always care about each other there's too much history not to but I'm not in love with her I haven't been in, in a long time Gabby it's my past. And you... You're my now. I can't tell you how to feel, but I, I think there's a reason that no matter how hard you and I have tried to make it work with other people, we can't. I'm in love with you, so nobody else. And even if that doesn't change anything for you, I needed you to know it. Oh, man. Is that the smartest thing Matt Casey's ever said? Well, first of all, Matt Casey found his fucking words. Yes! Literally. It's a bad... I, literally, this is what he's been needing to say since fucking episode three. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he finally did it and said all of it, I think it would have been okay even if he said, like, half of this. Like, he didn't need to go that far, but clearly he did, and I'm not complaining. But the thing that gets me is, like, it's almost too good to be true. Like, this literally is something I feel like I've read out of, like, the 10 million Bretzy fan fictions that I've read. <laughs> and, like, this literally, like, word for word, I feel like it's just so good. It's so perfect. He not only found his words, he found the best words. Yeah. It's just, it made me so emotional. Like, literally, I was already crying because of Stellaride and, like, tried to get my emotions for that. And then this happened. And literally, with every sentence, I was, like, having to pause it. So I was like, oh, my God. Okay, so when you texted me that you were crying happy tears, was it after the Stellaride engagement or was it after this? I mean, it started with Stellaride, but I was full on sobbing. And when I texted you, it was after this. <laughs> because I was literally like, I kid you not. He would like say a sentence and then I would pause and I was like freaking out. I was like, oh my God. And then he would, I would unpause it. And then he would say another sentence. And I was like, oh my God. I had the same reaction to this that I had with the Upstead kiss. As like the more it went on, I was like, oh, oh, oh. 
And then I was like, oh my God, like just more and more surprised. And I was like, whoa, like I've literally, I don't even know how many times I've watched this scene, probably a hundred at this point. I just, I love everything. I, I love everything about it. It's, it's pretty freaking great. And I love that she let him, she didn't try to interrupt him and like, she let him say everything he needed to say. Mm-hmm. I also kind of do love that he also walks away. Like not, it doesn't, she needs to have time to figure out what she wants to say. And yeah. I think he gets that. And that like, obviously he kind of blew her mind with everything mm-hmm. he just said. So like, give her her space. Like she will come find you when she's ready to talk again. And like his slight smile as he walks away, I was just like, I'm so emotional. And he he did that all of his own doing. He didn't need a pep talk from Sev. He no. just had his chat with Gabby and like saw the light. Well, I mean, he's obviously like, he even tells Brett, he's like, I already knew, like, it just made it more clear, like what I already knew, like, I'm not in love with her. And the thing that I loved about it too, is that like, when Brett leaves Molly's, like, because Casey's at the bar, like going to buy everyone else more rounds of drinks. And like, you can see it in his eyes, like he notices her leave. And then he's like, Oh, fuck, like, it's basically it's kind of like now or never, like I had the clarification, like it's now or never. And he follows her out there and I was just like oh my it, oh, I love the scene so much it's pretty great it's pretty can great. I also say it's been pretty great because we saw this early it's been so fun watching Bretzy fans freak out on Twitter about the like because there were people who had been out for filming and so they obviously took pictures of this scene oh yeah yeah, yeah and like people just a speculation and seeing like people are like well I'd be okay if he just said that he's not in love with Gabby anymore that's all I need from the scene and I'm like oh but it goes even further than that it's just, just been fun to like wait. watch to like yeah it's just been fun to like see them speculate and be like oh but you're actually also right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I just it's literally a scene out of fan fiction and I'm I'm literally overjoyed I'm so happy with this scene yeah, it's pretty great. And my ship. I just, I'm so emotional and I'm going to continue to be emotional about it. I think I pretty much have this speech memorized at this point too. Like, I'm just kidding. I've, I've literally watched this scene a hundred times probably. That moment when he's like, Gabby's my past, but you're my now. He hasn't had that much game since season one. Right. And like, when he, you can just feel the emotion in him too. Cause he's like, I can, t- I, he's like, I can't tell you how to feel, but like, I think there's a reason that no matter how hard, like we've tried, like it, we can't make it like we, nobody else has made able to make it work. Like I'm in love with you. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Everything about this was like the game that Matt has been searching for all season long. <laughs> yeah. He's literally been like searching for that speech right there. It, it was so perfect. Oh my God. It was really perfect. So any other notes I'm on just, fire? I'm just so happy. I know. And I'm like slightly nervous. Oh, oh I'm a lot nervous for Severide and Cruz. I'm, st- I'm, I'm hoping that I'm holding out hope that we're going to end on Bretzy with the positive note and that's going to carry me all summer into hiatus. But I'm, I'm nervous still about Severide and Cruz. I feel like I, I could actually work with a Severide and Cruz cliffhanger. I can work as long as it means nobody's leaving. As long as it means nobody's leaving. Yeah. As long yeah. as I can work with it, as long as it means like they're going to come back and yeah. like be alive in September. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. like also protect them both at all costs. Oh, yes. Hell but yes. They'll, they'll be fine. Severide's an Avenger and Cruz is a rock star. They'll be fine. <laughs> That's a combo. Yeah. Yeah. 
they'll be fine. That's right. Though. Right. Hmm? Yes. We're manifesting it. We're manifesting Man- it. Manifest that ish. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. All four of them are going in on all four of them are coming out. Exactly right. It's just that some may come out at the end of next week and some may come out in September, but manifesting. And even if we have to like, I can even take like, say if they want to give us like, oh, you know, 45 minutes into the premiere episode, we're not still not sure. Okay, fine. As long as everyone is fine by the end of the premiere, I'm okay. The premiere. Yeah, we're giving you until the premiere. Right. The end of the premiere. The end of the premiere. It's it's the way Derek always singles out the last 10 minutes that makes me so nervous when he's like last 10 minutes, last five minutes. Stop it. I know. I'm just, oh man. I know. I know. I'm glad we're talking to him this week so we can- uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna make it worse or better. It's gonna make it worse. It's gonna make it worse. Um, but you've all been warned. So <laughs> again, clown masks, we need them. I know. Yeah. So all right. Stretch it out. It is PD time. I'm gonna stretch that out, Just pop some things. Ooh, this episode. This was intense. It was intense. It, it was good. It was a good one. It was good. Um, I could have done without that last like 10 seconds, but it was good. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we start off here. Hank is meeting Samantha for drinks, which like, we've never seen him do that with a cohort before. Like he never met Anne Hayes' character for drinks. I still don't know what I'm supposed to feel about these two. Like, is it supposed to be flirty? Is mm-hmm. it not? I don't think so. But remember, it had that moment earlier in the season where I was like, is it flirty? Is it not flirty? It was a little odd. It just feels weird. It just feels like a weird relationship and I don't know what to make of it. No, I I think it's purely professional. I I can't see. I'm not leaning towards flirty, but it's just so different that I don't know how to label it. If that makes sense. I can't see Voight in a ship ever unless it's Olivia. But that boat seems like it sailed. I don't pay attention. Oh to no, that boat you, but... sailed. Yeah, they're they're both like the mayors of their own city, so there's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's meeting Sam for drinks. There's new numbers coming out the next day that are showing just like a drastic reduction in crime. And so Samantha's like, "Hey, reform is working. This is amazing. It starts slow, and then it's like in your face, and then Voight has to go be a buzzkill and be like, no, it's just a cold snap. Crime was reduced. Fun Fucking police. Boy. Fucking Voight. Fun police. My God." So at this point, we meet Miller's son, Durrell. Miller has a son. So we find out that he grew up with his father in Atlanta and he moved to Chicago for a change. He's never lived with his mom. Like she, he always lived with his dad. And so she's like, yeah, he moved here two months ago for a change. And Boyd's just like, oh, change in Chicago. Like we all know what that means. I'm like, we all know what that Mm -hmm. means. Mm -hmm. Man, RIP. Like the minute literally. he said that, I was like, well, well, he's dead. He's dead. Nice <laughs> knowing him. Literally. Yeah. Don't turn your life around on Chicago PD, unless you're Bob Ruzik, who just seems to survive everything. Have nine lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Okay. So we, but Darrell is also the guy when, when Hank is walking into the bar, he sees this guy like screaming on a cell phone, like beating up on a car and Darrell is that guy. So Hank gets followed on the way home, which like Darrell must have a death wish death wish um hank gets followed and he like does his cop thing to be like why the fuck are you following me Durrell owes somebody money and needs hank's help and that is the teaser dun, 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 dun. but like man that was a bad choice following hank home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so one thing we get in this episode are non-stop justin parallels oh my god non-stop and oh it's God. just such a killer. And when 
Yeah. I was gonna say when Jarrell picks up the photo of Hank and Justin and he's like, Oh, is this your son? I was like, Oh my god. I like I like face pumped. I'm like, please don't say it. Please don't say please don't tell him he's dead. I can't. Even though it's been five seasons, I can't. I know. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it feels like it's been forever. And mm-hmm. it's just every time I see that picture of Boyd and Justin, I just I get I lose it. It's all it's all the it's all the future milestones that Justin was robbed of that kill me. You know, and like, just every time I see Josh Cigar's face, I just want to like cry. I know, I know, I know. If we ever meet him, I'm like, I'm gonna be like, can I hug you? Uh, I won't. I'll I'll stop myself. But like, I, the, the urge will be there because I'm just like, oh, Justin. I don't know. Um, I just finished part two of Selena on Netflix, and so it's like fresh in my mind of how she was like 22, and I'm just like, but she had like all this whole future ahead of her, and that's what it was with Justin. Like, mm-hmm. he really could have turned his life around, and you know, watched. His he kid was grow almost up. there. He really was. I know. He was almost there. They probably would have had more kids. Like, yeah. It just eh, the pain. It hurts. Like, even though it's been five seasons, it's still just like. <laughs> it feels like it's so. Yeah. 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 So we find out that Darrell deals Coke and he owes his dealer 10,000. Um, and he doesn't want Miller to find out. He's like, you know, I'm like, can you do this without my mom finding out? And Hank's like, uh, no, no. So we immediately cut to him telling Miller and he's like, I'm telling you because it's the right thing to do, which like job, Hank, good job. Uh, he is fully prepared to handle this void style. And he even tells her that he's like, we'll run it off book. We'll just do this my way. Like, that's fine. Cool. Like totally ready to do it. And she's like, no, like you're going to help him, but you're going to treat it just like any other case. And Hank's just like, okay. Hmm? All right. So he brings this back to the unit and they're, they're not thrilled. And it's not just Kevin. It's like, everybody's faces are just kind of like, what? Huh? Like, Mm-hmm. um kim does mention she's like okay well i can respect that you know miller wants to run this by the book you know she at least says that but like upton's face is like something's weird jay is just kind of like this is odd eh, i don't know yeah and we get this this ruse water platt moment that is like equal parts like at water spitting truth and platt being hilarious yeah but um adam's like so this doesn't strike you weird that like we're using our badge to help a cop's kid out of a jam and Adam's like, no, like she's been good to us. And Kev's like, no, a favor for a privilege. And as that's happening, Platt is in with Jarrell and can hear everything they're saying. And so just her, like her yell, and she's like, yo, the walls aren't thin. Like, that was funny. But, um, you know, Darrell essentially tries to explain to Kevin, he's like, I'm not a bad person, but Kev's just not really having it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. I don't know. It's interesting to me. It's because like, he's like, you know, I'm not a bad guy. Like, I'm not a bad person. Just, I made a mistake. And he's like, again, he's like, I'm not a bad person. And Kevin goes, yeah, I'm sure that's true. Just like everyone else that deals dope. Like, it's not your fault. You're getting off easy. You can make a mistake and become a better person later on down the line. I don't think it has as much to do with that as it does with the fact that his mom is Miller mm-hmm. and because he is in a, I mean, yes, they are, you know, both African-American, but they obviously are in a place of privilege because his mom is the deputy superintendent right. and can get him out of it. Right. And so in his case, he's lucky because Samantha's his mom, whereas most black men who are in these types of situations are not yeah. going to get these types of deals. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, at first he, that's why he's more upset rather than like the fact that he's just getting off easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, at first you're just like Kevin, like, that's not like you, but there's, there's a lot more layers to it. 
yeah as to why he's upset and so um over at the strip club we meet Darrell's boss Kent and that's you know this is all taking place at a strip club so we meet Darrell's boss his name is Kent Kent opens the safe now the, everybody goes into this and they're like this is going to be like small potatoes this is an itty bitty little drug bust like no big deal well Kent opens the safe to re- like reveal at least half a million dollars worth of cocaine at least at least yeah so Adam's just like well well like we found ourselves a big old case so, you know, of course they have to sit back because now they, they have to, you know, peel back the layers and solve it. And so Darrell's pissed that they didn't make the bust. And so at this moment, there's something kind of satisfying about this moment because it's Ruzwaner and Jay, right? And they're all around Darrell and they're like, okay, well, you need to tell us the truth. Like what the hell's happening? Um, and just when Jay's like, you don't want to keep lying to us. Like there was something very satisfying about that moment about like the men of intelligence being like <laughs> a united front and being like, you don't know, you don't want this. You don't want this yeah so good so i enjoyed it yeah i I was like the guys of intelligence like yes don't mess with them um and then followed by kev's like shut up and get your ass in the van i was like oh kevin like if kevin's talking to you like that like you You you're in bad shape kevin sees the good in people for the most part and so for him to like cast you aside like that already like yeah you got a lot of work to do to get back in his good graces just saying just saying do you I think Kevin sees the good in people for the most part no definitely but I think he's definitely just gotten tainted I think this whole everything he's gone through in the last like year year and a half has really tainted his view on things Mm -hmm. but I still like to think he gives people the benefit of the doubt it's definitely made it harder on him but I, I I think he still is I think he's still wired to do that like right off the bat is to find the good yeah 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 but it's definitely made it harder so uh Miller still wants to play this by the book, which is just blowing Hank's mind. And so Hank's like, listen, I think everyone has a line where principles blur, which like, yeah, we've seen it with him. And Miller says, principles don't get to change when things touch you. And she says, Darrell needs to know consequences. Like he needs to feel this. And so I found it so interesting that she brought this up because like, if you compare this to when Justin was in hot water, it's, it's interesting. Like, I'm wondering here if maybe Miller just doesn't understand the stakes that like there is a chance that Darrell could die in this situation. I'm wondering, I mean, I'm wondering if Hank, where did Hank's motivation to protect Justin come from? Was it just the fact that he was his son or was it also the fact that the stakes were high and Justin could have died? I think it's both. You think? Yeah, I think Miller probably isn't even thinking about the fact that Darrell could die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hank, I mean, we don't know a ton about Miller's background, so I don't want to say that she doesn't. But I think even at that point, Voight had been through some shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Voight, you know, I mean, because even at that point, by the time Hank chooses to protect Justin, I mean, we've already had gone through the fact that, you know, Voight went to jail and then Justin went to jail because he couldn't ultimately save Justin at that point. And so I think he realized at that point that it could still end up bad. And that's why he chose to try to do everything he could to protect Justin Mm -hmm. because he couldn't on the fire part of it. I think the other part of that too was in in the early season and in season one, like in the early, early episodes, I think they tried to set it up that Camille's death wasn't too long ago. And so, you know, they're, they're basically saying that I I think from Hank's point of view, he's like, Justin's not a bad kid. He's acting out because all these horrible things have happened. Um, and maybe that was why he was trying so hard to protect him was to get him back on the straight and narrow. Um, 
but I just, I just thought it was so interesting how she's like, no, he needs to know consequences. I don't care. We do this by the book. And you've got Hank over here who, you know, moved heaven and earth to protect him and, and framed Casey. So crazy. So crazy. I know. I know. So crazy. So Rusewater go undercover as buyers because they're, they're trying to meet Kent's boss. So Rusewater goes under as buyers and it all goes south, um, which like Rusewater is like, okay, fine. Like whatever. We just, we keep going. Darrell's not happy. Darrell's like, no, like you don't understand. Like everything's at stake here. Like we have to get this done so that, you know, I don't lose the only family I have. Like he's spiraling. So we cut to the middle of the night when Darrell calls Ruzik. Um, it's like four in the morning. And and yeah, so Ruzik gets woken up out of a dead sleep. And it's basically, it's not a butt dial, but like Darrell doesn't say anything. He just, it's it's him talking to Kent and it, it's just overhearing their conversation. So Ruzik is able to record the conversation way too easily. Like, I don't think it's that easy to just hit a record button and that that goes, but uh, they ping Kent's, or they ping Darrell's phone, only they find it and not him. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> my biggest takeaway from this is that, you know, since since they all go in in the middle of the night, you know, Platt is there too. Platt, where's Platt too? Of course she does. She lives she, in Chicago. And she looks good in it too. I know. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, so Kim works on the audio of the call because the call's kind of muffled, right? You can only hear like parts of it. Mm-hmm. So Kim works on the audio. And again, it's, it's all kind of it's kind of, they're talking really vaguely, right? They're like, it, this, that, this, you know, it's all like real vague. And so the key takeaway from this is that you hear, I couldn't just ignore it. It ain't right. And everybody's like, the, what, what is it? What's not right? Like, what is it? Upton finds footage from the club and we see Kent pushing Darrell and a random woman into an SUV. So uh, we're at the halfway point at this point, right? It's like, for me, it's 9.30, it's 10.30 for you. But um and so we have shifted we've just shifted from a drug case to a human trafficking case yep that's impressive yeah this is like a complex case that i did not see coming when they started this episode no and every time you're like damn the writer's doing such a good job with this like they navigate another twist or turn you're like that's so hard to do damn it's impressive it's really impressive okay so there's a second car the plates identify him um, but Samantha will not let them roll. Wait, hold on. What do you mean, let's hit it? Based on what? What am I missing? You just said Roy wasn't involved in the argument. You don't even have a clear idea on him. Where's probable cause? I don't have it. What I do have is a video of Roy Walton staring at them, jumping into his SUV, and following them away. Then you have nothing. Sam, listen to me. We don't have a lot of time here. Your son is in real danger. With or without a warrant? We have to hit that body shop. We can ask forgiveness later. No. No? No. You send patrol over there, set up okay, containment. Listen, that is a bad us. idea. These that men is see... all you are able to do. You don't have proof that Darrell is in there or that Roy is even remotely involved. For God's sakes, Sam. I get it, but you, you can't move. Sam, Sam, stop, stop. Sam, I am telling you, we have to play the hand we've got. Okay, you want to find your son alive, we got to move now. He could be inside that body shop. They found his phone. Okay, I'm Roy. I'm already thinking he's working with the police. Hank, I just told you. What are you doing? This is not reform. This is why people are marching in the street, why you moved to Chicago to change it. This is about doing what needs to be done to save your kid. Then you find him without breaking the damn law. Sam, 
We don't get to rewrite the laws because it's my kid. Every victim is somebody's kid. We do it the right way. Does this takes me back to the season finale of season three and like obviously she doesn't know anything of what happened with Justin's killer she can't there's no way no but then I also sit there and I'm like well wait a second like what does everyone else think happened with Justin's killer what do you mean like everyone else in the intelligence unit does do do, and, and this might this might be a super easy question that's been answered that's just not in my mind right now but like the five of them or maybe not Upton but like the rest of them have to just kind of have it in the back of their mind that like Hank probably killed that guy. Oh yeah, Jay definitely does because remember Jay knows that Aaron helped him bury the body, mm. and remember that whole conversation. So Jay definitely knows. I'm pretty sure Bridgewater has figured it out. Bridgewater's probably concluded it. Like they yeah. probably are just like, that's kind of thing that we're just, we're not, don't ask, don't tell. Like we're not going to ask. Yeah. And then Ruzik's probably figured it out too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like water, yeah. and if I'm Hank, I don't even want Haley to find out because yeah. that's just further going to plunge her into the deep, the deep yeah. end. Yeah. No, but I think they all, Jay definitely knows, although he doesn't officially know, but he definitely knows. Mm-hmm. And Berzik water is 99.9% sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that, I mean, I, I get both sides of this, right? Like Samantha's like, no, I practice what I preach. Like, you know, I'd be a hypocrite mm-hmm. if I did anything else. And Hank's like, this is your kid. Like you make an exception here. It's okay. I, 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 I get it. I do get it. Yeah. I don't know. And it's yeah. interesting too, that I, I guess I can kind of see why Samantha is erring on the side of, you know, we play this by the book is because, I mean, again, her son never lived with her. So I'm not, I'm not saying that she doesn't love him, but she doesn't really know him as well as she would if he had. Yeah, I think that also the problem is too, I think is she's potentially worried that like, if something goes wrong, then she, they're going to be like, oh, well, you were, look, you were doing this for your son. Like, this just looks bad, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So they find the woman from the video. She's 14. She's 14. Crazy. I can't, okay, I gotta ask this question though. Does every CTA train station look like that or is it just the same one that they use over and over? I don't know. I've only ever been in one. I've only ever been in one too and it didn't look like that. And oddly enough that we were not together. No, we were not together. No. Huh. Because I swear this is definitely the train station where they found Nicole and this is also the train station where Casey and Severide tackled that guy with whatever bomb he had. Yeah, I was just about to say that one. What crossover was that? Well, I don't remember, actually. It was one of those PD Fire ones, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember which one. Now I kind of want to go back and find that episode yeah. and rewatch it tonight. Um, but yeah, I that may just be the same one they use for filming sakes. I it's, yeah, it's probably got the best like vantage points. Because I don't think the one that I went in had all that subway tile. I think the one that I was in was like primarily outdoors. Like it was just we were outside waiting for the train. At least that's all that I remember. Yeah, I I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, all these times to Chicago, I've only taken the the CTA train like once. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so yeah, it's the same train station. It's got to be. They all look, unless they all look exactly the same. I don't know. Okay, so Darrell tried to save her is what's going on because Upton shows her the picture and is like, "That, that guy tried to save me. Like, that's great. 
Also, totally small, insignificant note here. Why didn't Jay give her his jacket? Like, don't know. She's wearing, like, she's in something sleeveless. She, like, Upton's in a jacket, so it's probably freezing. Whatever. Probably. Probably a super small, whatever. My name, yeah. Just me being me. Um, so she leads them to where Roy took Durrell, where they found his body. Wow. <sighs> I know. Ugh. And he'd only bled out like an hour ago. So if Samantha had let them roll like he wanted to, they probably would have saved them. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And it does beg a question here. You know, did Samantha choose her reputation over her family? But I don't think she did. I don't think she did. Well, I'll put it this way. I want to say it's like a 70-30 situation. Mm-hmm. Like 70, I think she thought she was really believing the right thing. But I also, I mean, she, she did kind of pick her reputation over her family. I don't think that was maybe her intention, but I think it's what happened. Yeah. I mean, I think given her, given her office and given her position, I mean, she, she almost felt like she had to practice what she preached. Yeah, which I get, but again, like, it's just tricky situations. It's so tricky, I know. And then, I mean, she has that moment with Boyd later where she's, like, kind of beating herself up over it. But um, you want to take it from here? You want me to? Yeah. Well, and I just had one last comment. I think, too, Samantha, if she, I think this also could have probably been avoided. Like, they were trying to keep it within just intelligence and, obviously, Samantha. Mm -hmm. But I think if Samantha theoretically goes to, like, her higher-ups or, like, someone else... And it's like, hey, this is the situation. It may have been different. You know, they probably could have bent the rules maybe even slightly a little bit to like help the situation, you know, help uh, Daryl's situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So Upside gets the location of where Roy keeps the girls and they've, of course, they're too late for that and they've all been killed. And so we see this moment where the six of them in intelligence are like taking it all in and it's, it's a, it's a scene. It's one hell of a scene for sure. Yeah. It's a moment. Yeah. So Voight is of course goes into like, oh, hell no. Like shut down the city mode, like close the exits. We're not letting these bastards leave Chicago. Yeah. And then we get the scene with Miller too. And like, cause Miller pulls up on the crime scene where the girls were and she is i mean obviously visibly upset and she's like you know or or they're like he was a good man um and we take this though when she says she's like he was a good man like and compare it with atwater's statement earlier like you pose this question in the outline like Mm -hmm. does one good decision cancel out a bunch of bad decisions it was just interesting it was interesting to me the way that Voight was like you know like yeah he Voight was able to look past the dealing and at this point was like he saved a girl who was a victim of human trafficking like that makes him a good man where you had Atwater earlier just be like you dealt drugs like I'm casting you aside you know Um, I just thought it was an interesting yeah I think though that in reality like I think it just further proves the point that like you aren't one decision like you aren't just the one decision. So like, yeah, you did some bad decisions, but you also are like a good person and you can do the right thing sometimes. Like, no, I, think, I, I, think, I think it just further, yeah. it, I think it just further emphasizes how important it is to like, not just judge somebody for like 
one tiny part of who they are. Like you have to look at the whole picture and then you can make your informed decision on who that person is. I do think there are some instances where, yeah, you, one decision can define you. Um, I think there's definitely incidents of that where we just saw that in Minnesota. Um, but I think it depends on the circumstances. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I mean, yeah, I think depending on what it is, but like for Mm -hmm. the most part, generally Mm -hmm. 75% of the time, yeah, I think it further emphasizes that like you kind of, you know, one bad decision, like dealing some drugs isn't going to, you know, define who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting, you know, yeah. Thing. So now, like we said, we're in full all-out manhunt now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this whole scene, which I actually really love this whole sequence about when intelligence is like, they're get, it's the voiceover and intelligence is leading each squad with a team from narcotics. And then they hit two separate locations and they're all giving the orders. Just the way that was shot and edited together, I thought was so cool. Okay, see, this made my stress levels like skyrocket because at this point I realized that we had like three minutes left. Yeah. And so this is when I was like, motherfucker, like if they're gearing up for a thing, like this is, no, this is going to end badly. This is going to end on a cliffhanger. But so yeah. on the side note, I still think it's cool. Like the way just everything's laid out like that, it just looks so cool. Or- no, that definitely was cool. Um, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like in any sort of life situation now, I kind of want LaRoyce to give me like the pump up speech beforehand. Cause like you heard <laughs> all six of them just kind of like hyping up their squads and telling them what was going on. And Kev was like, we get in, we get out, we do it clean and we all come back. And I'm like, yeah, oh, like, yes. oh yeah, let's go. Um, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So of course everything goes swimmingly. They still haven't found the guys until Burgess heads to her second location alone. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. Why? I don't know. It makes me so sad, though. I'm mad. I just, I can't. I can't. <laughs> and so, of course, she's, like, going under this, like, bridge, this undercover pass, and she's, like, wearing her vest, and I just, I, it's this a- is This is where I'm confused, because when, when you hear Bird just laying it out about, like, how things are going to work, she says, she's like, okay, we go in without our lights, we do this, somebody goes ahead of time and does an undercover pass, okay, it's not an undercover pass if you're in your vest. I, I don't know. I, she shouldn't have been alone, which is such a freaking unintended parallel to season two. Damn it. Yeah. So we end with Burgess getting attacked. And they trick her because she... They say something like, oh, policewoman, whatever. And she like rolls down her window and then they like push her head against the steering wheel and she goes back and blacks out and that's it. She better fucking be okay. I know. I know. See, the like when they threw her head against the steering wheel, that was fine. It was the kick to the chest where I was like, that's unnecessary. Yeah. Leave her alone, please. Yeah. Leave her alone, please. I know. I know PD definitely just went up on my like nervous. It's still not past fire. I'm still most nervous for fire, but PD is up there now. She better be fucking okay. I know. I think she will be, but I I'm still nervous. And resolve it in the finale. None of this like she flatlines at the end shit. No. Like Don't even throw that out. What what are you doing? I'm saying in terms of cliffhangers. I know, but what we don't need to talk about Burgess flatlining. No, 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 no. You take that back. I take it back, but like prep for the worst, host for the best, right? Yes. 
Yes, I just I don't need to say it out loud. I saw a tweet today being Mon- Tuesday, Monday. Monday, Monday. I saw a tweet today where somebody tweeted out like a headcanon for the finale and was like, just imagine if like Kevin gets to this house first and he's holding back Ruzik because all Ruzik can do is scream like, is she alive? Is she alive? And Kevin knows that he needs to see it first just in case of anything. La, 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 la. <laughs> I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I can't hear you. La, 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 la. No. Hate finale time. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. It's the she, worst fucking month. She better be fucking okay. Positive vibes. She's gonna be fine. She's gonna be fine. She's gonna be fine. Nope. She has to be fine. How ridiculous would that be if, like, you know, they're like, and, and how ridiculous would it be if season eight is like, okay, now we're gonna focus on Ruzik raising a little girl? You mean season nine? But yeah, I can't math. I'm all worked up now. I can't math. I know it would that would be yeah it'd be weird yeah she's gonna be fucking okay yeah i can't i can't i hate finale time i hate it but that's pd y'all <laughs> that is pd yeah oh man yeah. oh man i know i'm not okay Brina. I yeah me either face palm i'm just gonna go back and watch that bretzy scene about 20 more times and then i'll be okay for now i would say i'd watch the stellarite engagement on loop but they did it in the middle of a fucking fire i've still rewatched that one a couple times too but i just i think i'm just gonna go make myself happy again and rewatch the bretzy scene about 20 times oh man i'm not ready i'm not ready yeah i hate it any other notes on pd nope that's it at least Jay didn't get shot. <laughs> yeah, at least Jay didn't get shot. Although the finale hasn't aired yet, so uh, I can't. I can't. There is still time. Oh my god. Raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by one Chicago. <laughs> yeah, double hands. <laughs> oh my god. All right. So you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. No, seriously, like anytime, anything. Like at this point, I think we'd welcome talking about something not one Chicago because we're so freaking nervous for the finales. I'm so nervous. Oh my God. I know. I'm not okay. It's insane. It's insane. If you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link on our socials to our Patreon page. Lots of cool perks there. Facebook group, bonus episodes, which we haven't recorded in a minute. We need to do one of those. Um, and the yeah, like the Facebook group, like I was saying, we're having a patron happy hour on June 3rd. The only way to join us for that happy hour is to be a patron. Saying, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have a lot of so fun. Much fun. Yeah. So um, if you like the podcast, which we really hope you do, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so, so, so greatly appreciate that. Uh, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna Kate 13 Okay. So sometime between now and the finale, you are going to hear from us and Chicago Fire Show runner Derek Haas. And Chicago Med writers Jeff Dreyer and Stephen Hootstein. We don't know when they're going to drop yet, but it's sometime between now and the finales. Yes. Um, so yeah, you will hear from us then. And then you will hear from us next week when we will probably be drunk crying for about two hours over the finales. 
Actually, I'm three. I'm gonna bring a whole bottle of wine. I need to go buy another bottle of wine. Quite literally, yeah. And a clown I'm gonna need too. one to wash the finales, and I'm gonna need one to record. And tissues. And Xanax. Accurate. Oh my god. And mute deadline, because screw them. Yeah, guys, just be prepared. Go shopping. Be prepared. Stock up. Yep. Charge your devices. Yep. It's it's gonna be brutal. So, all right, guys. Um, on that note. Everybody have a good rest of the week because again, you're listening to this on Wednesday. Actually, go to bed. It's late. <laughs> um, go to bed and then have a good rest of your week. Yeah, yeah. Go to bed. Have, I, I really hope we didn't fuck up your dreams for the night. Um, but then yes, have a good rest of the week and we will see you probably early next week. Bye.